Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for downloading the very first episode of So What Do You Really Do? I'm your host, Dan or Dennis. I'm going to be talking with artists, entertainers about their day jobs. Uh, just to give you a quick backstory, uh, the first episode here is actually me and my friend, John Paul Riviera, who's a comedian here in the Boston area. He hosts an open mic, hosts a lot of great comedy shows, great host, great comedian. Uh, it was a very interesting talk. We did this probably about back in the summertime. Uh, maybe June or July. I don't even know if it was that hot. Uh, we did it in my backyard because I was like, ah, it'd be nice out there. John and I both smoke cigarettes. And so we just sat for a couple hours talking, chatting, smoking cigarettes. So you'll probably hear us lighting lighters and breathing out and cars driving by and, and birds. But it sounds really good. Um, anyway, I'm really glad you guys are downloading this first one because this podcast was a year in the making for me from the moment I thought of the exact idea of the podcast I wanted to do and to now executing it, finally getting it out for people to hear. So, very long year in the process. And the reason I didn't want to just do, like, the reason there is a concept is because I didn't just want to be another comedian with a podcast where I sit around my friends and we joke around and it's all inside jokes and nobody gets about it. I enjoy interview-style podcasts, and I wanted to be able to do something that I know I would like to, to, to listen to. And that's exactly what I think I found here. And it, be, it just came from sitting at a Christmas party with other comedians and going, oh, what's your day job again? Or, hey, I saw you post something about work. What was that? What is that? Oh, you know, this, that's, that's fascinating because there's a lot of us that have really cool, fascinating jobs. Um, but some of us also, you know, wait tables or baristas at coffee shops or whatever. Um, but nonetheless, we're still working towards our job of being an artist. Um, and in the first few episodes here, you're going to hear me talking to a lot of comedians because that's all I know here in Boston. The only people in Boston I know are comedians, few coworkers in, in radio, uh, where I work, I work in radio. I produce traffic reports for television, and radio for Western and central mass and Southern New Hampshire. I'm sorry if you've already fallen asleep because it is just as boring as it sounds, but those are the only people I know are comedians and my coworkers and a couple bartenders here and there. Uh, so I don't have, much of a life here outside of comedy, but I've actually recently talked to a few musicians uh, who I'm going to get in here, and I'm going to be really excited to get some musicians in here, get some live songs playing, maybe some live acoustic songs. Um, makes me feel like back in the day when I was doing college radio and having bands come in and play songs, just punk bands trying to figure out how to play their three chords on an acoustic guitar in the studio. So when that happens, it'll be fun, and I'm excited for that. But I'm also excited to really be releasing this very first podcast with my friend John Paul Riviera. So the reason I had John come in here is because uh, not only is he a great host, a great comedian, he is also uh, one of his day jobs is he is a mascot for a series of bowling alleys. Um, and he dresses up as a bowling pin and hangs out outside of Fenway Park where the Red Sox play, hands out free coupons to go bowling to people. And um, it's about as annoying as you think it would be. Um, probably not as much fun. But I've had other friends who are like... Um, not mascots, but like uh, cartoon characters. They would get in the costumes and stuff at like Hershey Park, places like that. And they would, you know, walk around as Yogi the Bear. And this suit, not much different from what I hear. It's very hot, very heavy, very annoying. And you'll hear John talk about that and his experience in that. But um, this is w one of those things that I didn't get, um, didn't expect is that I learned something about John. I learned a lot of things about John that I had never expected to ever hear in casual conversation. Like, for example, uh, one of the things that blew me away was his mother was also a comedian. They moved to L.A. so she could pursue a career in comedy. So he's a second-generation comedian. Uh, and I don't know if that would ever have come up in conversation, but it just he just mentioned it. I was like, oh, really? Let's talk more about that. Like, your mom, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's people whose kids, they're musicians, their kids become musicians, et cetera, et cetera. But 
You know, there's not a lot of lineage um, generational comedians out there that I don't know, you know, that I've heard of. Like, uh, let's see here, John Cleese and his daughter, Chris Elliott and his daughter. Um, so I don't think I know anybody else who personally their parents were also a comedian until I met John Paul, until John, told, John Paul told me that. So it's an interesting conversation. It was a good time. I appreciate you guys downloading this. And please enjoy the very first episode of So What Do You Really Do with my guest, host, comedian, and mascot, John Paul Riviera. friend uh we'll call him a friend yeah, it yeah can we're gonna, that. I, I just put him on the spot and said hey, he's an acquaintance and then he's like no we're friends making oh, yeah. him say it. but i forced him into saying we we're friends you, um, if you're listening he edited that in post i originally said no <laughs> <laughs> but he's got all that radio experience he can just manipulate it uh he is a comedian he is a host yeah and he is also a sports mascot that's john right. paul rivera hey what's going on listeners hey what's up my name's john paul rivera thanks for having me this no, is about jobs. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we'll talk about you, and I think it's interesting to listen to uh, to people how they deal with their daily life of having one job and then also having this other potential career in the arts. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. And we'll get to the, the to, to talking about the day job in a moment, but uh, let's start with just you because I know you're okay. not originally from Massachusetts, correct? Uh, kind of no. I I lived uh, in Massachusetts when I was. Growing up, pretty much from when I was like two years old to when I was like twelve years old, um, but I moved to Southern California for like fifteen years uh, when I was like twelve because my mom was a comedian. Was she, she really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, my mom was a comic and she wanted to like get into comedy writing, and she thought she could do it on the West Coast. So she moved us all out to the West Coast so she could make it in Hollywood. Which did not happen. Uh, uh, ah, well, it doesn't happen for most people. <laughs> so, but uh, I lived in California for a really long time, and I moved back here in 2009 because I was like, I should start doing stand-up comedy. And you I was like, to Boston in 2009. Yeah, to Boston. Yeah, this is from uh, Boston. We're recording. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, yes. so you moved back to Boston in 2009. So yeah, I mean, I'm kind of from here. I'm kind of not. I spent like half my life here and half my life in California. So, yeah, you know. It's a balance. Yeah, I knew you were from L.A. Um, I wasn't yeah, sure yeah. where it was prior to L.A. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I was from Waltham, Massachusetts before that, which is not very far from here. No, yeah, it's what, half hour south, 45 minutes? Yeah, it's, well, it's, yeah, it's even closer than that. It's oh, like, it? Okay. it would probably be like a half hour walk to there from here. Well, no, not from here, I guess. Um, no, that's interesting because I didn't know your mom was a comic. Is she still doing stand-up or did she end up giving No, up? no. Um, no, she doesn't do stand-up anymore. Um, she, uh, right now she has kind of an interesting job. Uh, right now, basically what she does to supplement, uh, my dad's income is she does the, uh, LA talk show circuit. So she'll, not like as a writer or anything, like she didn't like pull anybody have a burning car. She like just, <laughs> she like, uh. She goes to different talk shows that tape in Los Angeles, and they give away so much free stuff that she just goes around and collects all this free stuff on like a weird talk show circuit. <laughs> so it makes for uh, a lot of weird Christmases where you're getting like all this like grab bag stuff that they give away. <laughs> she hasn't gotten she hasn't gotten any like big stuff yet, but she's like, a prize cow. Yeah, is that what that's called? 
That's what we call it in radio. The person who shows oh. up at all the events and always asks for free things, we call him a prize cow. I think she would I probably the prefer of- the term prize lady. Probably. <laughs> now that I think about it, I don't even know if that's an industry term because I think the woman that, that we all started calling the prize cow and referring to other people as prize cow was a woman who actually showed up in a cow costume. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. We had a lady oh. in D.C. who would show up to like all the radio station events. Yeah. Knew everybody, knew their names, always asking for free things and getting free stuff. Nice oh. woman, just a little weird. Yeah, um, obviously with a lot of time. Loves swa- the swag stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, that's like, how about, how about swag hey, hag? Free, free, free t-shirts? <laughs> yeah. Can I, have a de- can I have an Elliot in the Morning t-shirt? <laughs> Elliot in the Morning, that sounds like a local market station thing. Uh, he, uh, he used to be out of New York and he moved to D.C. Uh, oh really? But yeah, he was he was one of the, one of the most popular uh. radio shows, uh, rock or uh, uh, top forty morning zoos in D- uh, in New York for the longest time. Anyway, uh, okay. Enough about him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> enough about that guy that nobody here knows. Yeah. Uh, other than me, who's so yeah, so yeah. That's what I moved to California. I moved back here to start doing stand up uh, like six years ago. And uh, that's pretty much that's the whole story, really. Well, I also <laughs> I just found this out too the other day because they were talking about it at the, uh, the party we were at that you'd moved here to take care of your grandma. Oh yeah, Is that part of the well, reason to, to stand up here. Not exactly. Like I just well, my grandmother lived in Newton, Massachusetts, which is really close by here. Yes. Um, and uh, when I moved here, I knew like my grandmother lived here, so I could like stay with her for a little while before I got kind of got my feet under me. Um, and you know, my grandmother was just like, she was getting a little bit older and I think, uh, at the time she was living by herself and my mom wasn't like super comfortable with that. I later found out that she like really wanted my like sister to like move in with her and she lives out here now. Um, but like my sister didn't want to. And so it just worked out well. Cause like, uh, you know, like, uh, my mom, my grandmother was getting older and, um, it was so I could stay there and, uh. Start doing stand up, look for jobs and stuff, and also make sure that like she didn't Not like alone. fall down and die or something yeah. like that. I uh, I had a similar thing myself because um, when I was in high school, I want to say it was my, yeah no it was my freshman year in high school. My uh, grandfather passed away. Oh uh, yeah. Um, and after all that, my my grandparents lived across the street from my high school, so I was a freshman. My brother was a junior, and he moved in with my grandmother to make it easy going to school, and so she had somebody around to. Take care was of it like literally around. across the street? Literally across the street. Nice. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't throw like a girl, I could probably hit the school with a ball from my front sweats. <laughs> um, nice. So th- uh, at the end of junior year and all through senior year, he lived with her. He moved out. Uh, I went into my junior year and I moved in her- with her too. Same situation, just to hang out, be closer to-, to school and whatnot. Spent my last two years living with her there. Yeah. Um, and then moved back to my parents' house for two years and then on my own. So Did you I- feel any I- kind of weird pressure living with your grandma like I did to be good? No, <laughs> I mean I'm not a terrible kid, uh-huh. uh, but I uh, I wasn't getting in too much trouble, but I got in enough mischief. Oh yeah, um, but yeah, I didn't really. I mean, if anything happened, if I got in trouble at school, they're gonna call my parents anyway. I did get in trouble in school, uh-huh. um, junior. Uh, pa- did you get? Did you have powder a powder puff football when you went to high school? Do you know what that is? Uh, I think I've heard of it. I don't know. Powder puff football had- essentially is the girls play football and the guys cheerlead. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, we would do it between our junior junior class and the senior class. Yeah. Uh, and I pulled a Braveheart as a cheerleader. What does that mean? Uh, nothing underneath my kilt. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's I, pretty good. Yeah, as a 16-year-old kid. Nice. Got suspended from school, and it was an ugly, ugly situation. It was, it was that fun. bad? Oh, yeah, I got suspended for a couple of days. I was oh. banned from coming my senior year. I was not allowed to step on the field. It oh, was really? It was terrible. Uh, oh. So, yeah, I did not worry about being any more good or bad living with my Wow. Grandmother. 
Jeez, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> did you have that feeling? It's like oh, I should clean up a little bit of my act. Yeah, I mean, I, mostly I was like, I, I was like a mob guy. I was like, I have to hide this other part of my life from my grandma. <laughs> I can't let her know. Well, you're, but, how, how old were you in 2009? I was 26. 26. So yeah. you're about the same age as me, 32, right? Yeah, I'm like right? 32. Yeah. yeah, I'm 34. So yeah, I guess in my 26, you're already well into whatever devious life that you're living. Yeah, I guess. Boozing and, <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. It was a lot of that. Um, so when you moved here, did you already do stand-up in L.A. before you moved there? No, I'd never done stand-up before I moved here. I moved here, and I moved here and started doing stand-up like one week later. Really? Yeah, yeah. So that was part of your plan, living, uh, uh, when moving here was, always wanted to do stand-up, I'll try it out in Boston? Yeah, yeah, because like they, I didn't have a, my car had like broken down in Los Angeles, so I was like, I need somewhere I can like take the bus to do stand-up. And I Boston's worked out really well. for that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It's awesome. So yeah, I started doing stand. I did Kings open mic uh, at the at the. It's a bowling alley called Kings in Boston. They have like a lounge. Yeah. They have an open mic there. It's gorgeous been going lounge. On. It's been going on for like so goddamn long. It's been going on for like forever. It was going on forever when I started. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised how long that lasted. Like, I did not know that Matt Chase was not the first host of that. Oh really? No, no. That they that was like that was like oh thank you. Mm-hmm. That was like a. You know who Big Nez is? Um, I don't remember the guy's name. I did uh, meet the guy who who bequeathed it to Matt, to Matt Chase. Okay, yeah, yeah. I did meet that guy uh, once. He showed up there once, um, and at this time I was thinking about trying to do a surprise roast for oh, Matt yeah. James's birthday because of it, and oh. that, that never came to fruition. That's but, too bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it was it was like a really thank you. It was a super long running mic when I got there. I remember back when I started, they had every slot was fifteen minutes, no matter what you did. So I got there, and they were like, uh, "I was like, well, how much? Well, how much time should I?" I didn't even know what the terminology. I was just like, "What? How much time am I allowed to go for?" And he's like, "You can do fifteen minutes, but if you're doing really good, you can. We'll just let you keep going." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, oh great! I planned on like five. I had no idea how much time I would be, but I planned for like five. And so he's like, you can do 15 minutes of comedy, which is still a lie for oh, me. <laughs> 15 minutes is a lot for anybody, really. Yeah. I mean, five minutes is a lot when you're just starting out. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was cool. It was fun. But I had a really good time. I really didn't do that bad. Uh, the second time out, I did really, really bad and almost quit. Uh, but, you know, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's just a stereotypical thing with most people starting out is sometimes that first one seems to go really well, and then you just – Eat a giant plate of dick the next dozen times. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It was something like that. Yeah, yeah. some people just suck at, uh, from the beginning, and you know, then it gets progressively better. Um, I actually remember the first time I met you when I moved here was actually you were hosting at the uh, open mic at Grandma's basement. Oh, wow, over by yeah. Fenway. Uh, and this is well, this is the reason why it sticks out in my mind because a it was like the second open mic I did when I moved to Boston. Yes, or the second open mic because you've been Boston doing stand up in Baltimore. Yeah, right? I was doing it for for an, uh, about two years, but nowhere nearly as much as I've been doing it since I moved here, which is part of the reason I moved here. Oh yeah. But um, the other reason I remember it is because I had just that day did a um, design of uh, a whole like um, grid uh, battle grid. Of Justice League versus Avengers. What's a battle grid? Well, I just uh, wrote it out uh, oh. on a, a, a piece of paper of who would fight who. Basically, oh, yeah, a championship yeah. bracket. It was a bracket. Oh, bonus. okay. I gotcha. Like, if you put the two teams against each other and you paired each character off. Yeah, yeah, good. yeah. I had that in my pocket and I was showing it because I like said it. It's like Nerd March Madness. Very much. And I mentioned it to some of them. They're like, oh, you know, the, the host, John Paul, he's really big in the comics. He would love that. 
I was like, oh, really? So in between comedians, I'm like, here, read this. I want you to, to understand. I was probably like, thinking. what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, I was like, thank you. You're like, uh, yeah, this looks really good. Look, I got to go back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to appeal to this guy uh, on a level of things that we both like. Oh, and yeah. we'll have a great discussion. And it'll be great. And people will <laughs> like me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you still have that thing? Uh, I have it. Well, I saved it as a Google Doc somewhere. Oh, so well, it's on, my on the Drive, web. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, everything I do is digital. Cool. But, uh, so you moved here to do stand-up, uh, coming from L.A. Yeah. Because it was, you know, you wanted to be in a city that was more accessible. Did you also, if, is the fact that it was Boston and it's a legendary comedy town uh, factor into part of the reason of coming here? Like, would you have gone, if your grandmother lived in another city that had good transit, would you have gone there to start comedy as well? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like, I was like, uh... I, there's a lot of comics like that came out of here, but I wasn't like uh, they're all gone. So I wasn't like uh, you know thinking I was gonna like buddy up with Lenny Clark or something like that. Um, okay, yeah, no. Th- part of the reason I moved here also similar situation really yeah. is because Boston was such a legendary comic town, and I wanted to go to a city that had good transit because I had lost my car a couple years prior. Yeah, it's and, a pain uh, in the ass. Well, repoed. Uh, oh. <laughs> I didn't lose it. I know exactly where it went back <laughs> to the dealership. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, uh, I wanted to come to a town that was notorious for comedy. Did they repo so, while you were still there? Or did they wait in Baltimore, to... yeah. Oh, it got repoed back when I was like 26. Oh, man. Yeah. Did they? Would you watch them drive it away? No. What happened is I had it in my parents' yard for uh, a couple months. It would happen when I went to the, that my 30-day sabbatical in the Baltimore County Detention Center. Oh, I didn't know you did 30 days. Yeah, 30 days on a, uh, 31 days on a 60-day sentence. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, traffic, dumb traffic things. All right. Everyone's learning a lot about me during your interview. <laughs> wow. Uh, but it was... Uh, I when I got out, the the dealership called. He's like, "Hey, you know, you're two months behind on your payments." Um, I was like, "Yeah, I lost my job. I got out of jail. I'm trying to still manage my rent and whatnot, so I haven't been paying it. So uh, I don't know when I'm going to be able to pay you guys. Why don't yeah, you just yeah. come pick up the car? I've already turned the tags in." And they're like, oh. "Well, you know, we can rep- repossess the car if you don't make a payment." I was like, "Oh no, I'm telling you to come get it." <laughs> Three months later, I get a call from my dad. I was living in the city. I get a, left it at my parents' house. I get a call from my dad, uh, and he goes, where's your car? Oh, yeah, In yeah. your driveway? No, it's not. Uh-huh. <laughs> they came to get it. Oh. So, I, it was actually so long, I honestly thought I was going to be able to get away with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, maybe I can start making payments, and they'll just forget this. Ever <laughs> happened. <laughs> but, so uh, you moved here with your grandmother. You don't still live with your grandmother, do you? No, no, okay. no. Um, uh, yeah, because I don't know if that's ever come up in conversations. I didn't assume he did, but. Oh, yeah, um, no. So she passed there. away, like, last year. What made you is what made you want to get into stand up comedy? Is it because that your mom was a comic, so you ha- kind of have that in your head, or did you are also like stand up as well? Uh, no, I, I really liked uh, stand up comedy for a long time. Uh, I used to have friends who were like, "Oh, you should do stand up," but I was like, "Nah, that's stupid. I can't do that." And then I was like, "Oh, I'm not doing really anything with my life," so I was like, "I could try this before I like get an HVAC job or something," you know? So I was like, "I'll do this." And it's worked out all right no, so far. No, it's working out great for you so far. We're yeah. working out very well. Um, you're you're a well-known comedian in the in the Boston community. Oh yeah, thank you. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone knows you. You do a lot of good shows. You're a funny guy. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. Um, do you ever get advice from your mom? Uh, do you ever show her your stuff? Or she's seen me do it a few times. Uh, she hasn't really given me too much advice. Um, but uh, I don't know. I you know I like her approval. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, my mother's never seen me do stand up, and I kind of don't want her to. Oh so. uh, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, and I'm not. I mean, you you are a little bit 
dirt on the dirtier side of of yeah, some of the comedy. I guess so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Jesse and I were talking about one of your, uh, my roommate Jesse and I were talking about one of your bits, the uh, peanut butter and the dog thing. Oh, yeah, that's a really dirty joke. Use the peanut butter to get the taste out of your mouth. Yeah, um, yeah. If you're lucky enough to see John Paul do comedy, by the way, uh, just yell out bestiality jokes and he'll do all of them for you. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's what he wants, that's... people to yell dog fucker at you. That's right. <laughs> I got my t-shirt printing coming up soon. Um, so you moved out here. Um was uh, were you doing like? Did you have any type of a career in LA that you wanted to continue to keep doing here, work wise, or was I will find whatever job I can take? No, no, I've never had like a career per se. I or a job that could be serious enough for it. Or yeah, yeah, I was like, I'll just get some whatever job. I started. I worked my first job when I got here was worked at Best Buy for a long time. Uh, you know, just like a just a job. You know, retail job. Like yeah. if you can just. Basically, if you are breathing body, you can work here. So that's like what I did, and that's what I had been doing previously. I was working at like night crew stocking at a grocery store and stuff like that. So yeah, it was easy to be like, ah, well, that's like sort of the advantage, you know? You can pick up and do it wherever. Yeah, yeah. No, retail is is beneficial in that, and that's one reason why a lot of people in the, in, in this business who want to be some kind of famous artsy person tend that's to right. that in there. Um, so. Um, let's get to it right now because you have the the job that I actually really uh, want to hear. About. Oh, and we'll yeah. talk about Best Buy because we can commiserate <laughs> on our misery of Best Buy because I worked at one too for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, is that you are a mascot for a bowling alley? That's right. Lucky, uh, we'll give them a plug. Lucky, Lucky yeah, Strike. Sure, yeah. Jillian's Lucky Strike. Uh, it's a nationwide chain of uh, bowling alley nightclub spots. Uh, and I'm uh, I'm I'm one of the Mister Pins. I dress up in a bowling pin costume, um, and I hand out free bowling passes outside of Fenway Park during Red Sox home games. We hand out free bowling passes, you know, to get people to come in and bowl, so then they'll get all boozed up. That's like the idea of the program. It's pretty good. It's get good. boozed up and throw heavy objects at things. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we walk around uh, during Red Sox home games, and I hand out free bowling passes in a bowling pin costume. Uh, with like a team, I have another guy who does a a bowling pin costume too, and usually there's like a a couple of girls or a guy who's with us handing stuff out. It's pretty fun. It's a weird job. Uh, Very weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you dress up in a weird costume and like you take pictures, high five kids, get shoved around by drunks. It's good though. I like it. How did you get into that? Uh, another Boston comedian named John Baglio who runs a room uh, in. Across from Boston University, he's the guy. He did it before me, and when they they were looking for somebody, so he's like, he "It's fitting because Baglio is shaped like a bowling." That's bed. right. <laughs> yeah, we both have that advantage. <laughs> and so uh, I had had previous costume character experience. I was I used to be a Chuck E. Cheese mascot when I worked at Chuck E. Cheese. Were you the Chuck E. Cheese? Uh, well, I wouldn't say I was the Chuck E. Cheese, but I was one, one of many, you know, we are Legion. Well, I don't know. Do they have, at Chuck E. Cheese, is there somebody else, like, do they have other, my only experience with uh-huh. Chuck E. Cheese was getting thrown out after a cast party in high school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chuck e. Cheese Too much we, cocaine? Yeah. The, we f- took all the balls out and filled the tunnels with the balls from the ball pit. Oh, man. <laughs> Troublemakers. Very much so. And uh, that's also in the, in the, uh, the tunnels at Chuck E. Cheese is where I got my first hickey. Oh, yeah. yeah. Her name was Rebecca. Nice. Anyway, nice. Yeah, it was fun times. Um, but do they have other, like, does She was in band? your age group, right? Uh, you're older than me, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
So, um, do they have other characters besides Chuck E. Cheese? Doesn't he have a band? Yeah, yeah, he has a whole. There's a whole. We were. Ta- I was actually talking about this recently. They they had like, uh, in the same way that McDonald's had like a whole crew of characters that's since been like pared down to just Ronald McDonald. Like there was a whole uh, crew of uh, Chuck E. Cheese characters that's like kind of almost a ripoff of the uh, McDonald's characters. That's kind of just been pared down to just uh just the just the mouse like there's like um and some of the i think the larger chuck e cheese like locations they have like uh more more costumes like there's like chucky has like a girlfriend that's like a chicken and there's like his buddy is like a dog and there's like a pizza chef uh italian guy and then there's like a big purple monster kind of like the grimace so there's like there's like four or five characters uh, but usually most places just have the Chucky costume because, you know, that's where the money is. That's what everybody wants to see. Yeah, well, everyone wants to see uh, Mr. Cheese. Yeah, Charles Entertainment Cheese is, <laughs> is his that name. what it actually stands for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his Charles Entertainment Cheese. Yeah, Entertainment's his middle name. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, it is his middle name, so how can you not get into the... Yeah. Business of entertaining children uh, and pizza. <laughs> when I started there, I mostly just did the Chucky stuff, but I eventually like migrated away from it. But like the Chucky costume, like they they send them out like a couple times an hour, and then there's like if you have like a birthday party there, there's like a choreographed dance that you do, and then it's most so it's mostly there's usually one guy who's kind of doing it, but then you know people fill in and jump in and jump out. It's you know it's cool, it's fun, but it's, you know like all mascot jobs, you gotta. Learn to like roll with the punches, like for real, because kids like punch you and hit you and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I can imagine. Yeah, I guess kids, kids will hit anything. Um, you got that right. Um, so you started doing the Chuck E. Cheese. Was that in L.A. or here in Boston? That was. Uh, I wasn't living in L.A. Per se. I was like right outside of L.A. County in Ventura okay. County, so I was like a half hour north of L.A. But yeah, I was living there. I worked at Chuck E. Cheese for a few years there. It was good. Okay. It was a fun job. Yeah, I can imagine it's fun. I have had friends who do like uh, who would do the mascot at like um, King's Dominion for what? the summertime. That was his summer job, King's Dominion. I don't know. Is that I don't know what oh, that is. Is that another thing? Uh, King's Dominion is an amusement park. Oh, cool. Um, is uh, it like it sounds medieval themed? No, it's um, it's uh, all the uh, Hanna Barbera characters. Oh, really? Yeah, Hanna okay. Barbera characters. Um, like the Flintstones or something. Um, like Yogi Hanna- Bear. Okay, yeah, those, yeah, those characters. Um, I never went to King's Dominion, but it was only a, a, like a few hour, few hours away from Baltimore. Oh. Um, but I remember he would tell me because he would do it in the summertime as a summer job. He would literally uh, put on a fifty pound um, vest of yeah. ice. Oh yeah, of ice on his front and back. Get his costume on and then go out because it's you know ninety hundred degree weather in the summertime out there. Oh man! The sun. And um, oh wait, King's Dominion's in Pennsylvania. Now that I remember that. Okay, anyway, it's distraction. Uh, very close to, to Maryland. Uh, so you would do that, and then within an hour, it would be completely melted. Oh, yeah. See, like, the costume that I, I wear for the pin, it's not even that bad. It's like a foam costume, and you just wear it. I mean, it, it does get hot, but it's probably nothing like, you know, a uh, more complex costume. Like, that's probably way worse in terms of heat. Like, it's it's pretty hot, but it's not that bad for yeah, the yeah. pin. Well, the foam doesn't sound as bad as, like, the fur yeah. costumes. But the, the Chuck E. Cheese would have been fur, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, but it's indoors, so I'm sure it's not Yeah, that wasn't that bad. You know, it was mostly indoors. It was fun. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so it, I, have, I have costume character experiences. If you're listening to this and you're in the Boston area, you need a costume character guy. Uh, John Paul talk Rivera. To me. Yeah, check the show notes, my email. <laughs> um, 
So the bowling job, the bowling pin. Do they not do it during the winter? Do they not do it during Pats games? No, no, they only do it for like the Red Sox home games specifically because, like, you know, you have like uh, what is right? Fenway is like thirty thousand something like that. So they have all these people. That's when they do it. So when there's like thirty thousand, or whenever there's like a big event at Fenway, they try to drum up some business for the bowling alley, which is right near Fenway Park. Okay, yeah, I haven't been to it yet, so I wasn't sure where it is. Oh yeah. Um, well, I guess Foxborough is kind of far away from. Oh yeah. They, the, yeah, Foxborough is kind of far from here, so it would be wouldn't be uh, smart for them to advertise their business that's. An hour's drive away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's gonna go. Hey, let's go. For, let's go for an hour drive and go bowling. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you go to to, to their to Lucky Strikes a lot yourself? Like on your time off and hang out and bowl? No, no. I'm not like I don't like to bowl that much. Uh, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I used to bowl like once a week, but now I'm like, eh, I don't really care. I do it if I have to socially, but yeah, no, I don't really like to. I don't do it that much, you know, but... You don't make plans to go bowling. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't really hang out there. And, like, I, I just, you know, the less they see me, the better. Okay. Um, now, that's, uh, you know, that that is one of your jobs. Don't you have a... Because I know at one time we were talking, you were working at a convenience store. Um, oh, yeah. I do, well, that I only worked there for one day. <laughs> oh, did you really? It was yeah. only one day? Oh, I yeah, thought it was, yeah. I feel like because it wasn't like across the street from your house or something. Yeah, that was that's part of the problem. I last like uh, summer, um, I got a job at this convenience store, Cumberland Farms. It's like a convenience store chain out here, and uh, it's really good. And there's one right across the street from my house, and um, I was like, I should work here because like I work at this Best Buy, and it like it kind of sucks, and it's like. Ugh, half hour or 35 minutes depending on bus thing it's like kind of like it's not a long bus ride but it's like i there's this place i could work that's like right across the street and it'd be like easier um so i was like i'll work here so i went there and i got hired um everything was going good i did a shift and then like i just had like a weird like freak out and i stopped going to like er both jobs i was like (laughs) fuck this i'm not doing this anymore so and then yeah so i worked there for one day um and now I just never go back there. <laughs> Even though it's like a great convenience store, it's super convenient. I just try, I like avoid it like like I've been thrown out. It's really weird. Uh, I don't know why I did that. I it, shot myself in the foot. Yeah, I can understand how awkward it was. But, I mean, that was, what, a, over a year ago, right? Yeah, yeah, but I I'm still... I'm pretty sure it's not the same employees. Like, nobody would recognize you. It was like, didn't you work here for a day? Yeah, there's one guy I got to avoid. <laughs> the, <laughs> guy who, avoid. the guy who hired me is doggedly <laughs> staying on there. I thought he would transfer out, too. <laughs> <laughs> Moving up in the corporate world of convenience store. Yeah, chain, I guess, he just, I guess he just fucking loves it there, like I would have if I kept working there yeah <laughs> but no i got i got the job i worked one day and then i just like weirded out and never went back which is what i never i've never done that before but i did it then do you know what like what was it that weirded you out about it uh i, I don't know i just had like a weird like i for like several days i just had like a mini nervous breakdown i just like refused to leave the house was it because of that job or something else going on at the time i don't know I don't know what it was. It was strange. It was weird. But it seemingly went away, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what uh, was that? Did you quit Best Buy at that same time when you stopped going? Yes. Okay. Yes. I was already quitting there because like I'd gotten this new job, but I still was supposed to go in for a few more shifts. So I was like, ah, I'm just not going to do any of that. I'm just going to play Grand Theft Auto Five. <laughs> that was like <laughs> what I did instead. Uh, well, it, I'm sure it sucks uh, if you're a video game guy. To but you know what? That. 
discount. It worked out fine. I did all this stuff. I shirked all my responsibilities. Uh, but you know what? Everything turned out okay. Okay. Now, other than the bowling so alley. So quit your jobs, everybody. <laughs> quit your jobs. That way your fear will inspire you. Know you know what? Don't even quit. Just fucking don't come in anymore. Just stop going. Just stop going. Don't answer the phone. Yeah. Uh, the, the fear of that will motivate you to do something better. Um, which I've, I'm too scared to do that. Like, I, <laughs> like We've just had a bunch of recent comedian friends who have all moved to New York recently. Yeah. Within like, the past six months, so many people have just moved to New York this year. Uh, or Austin or wherever, uh, D.C. Um, and all of them, I think with the exception of one or two, moved and didn't have a job already set up. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, most of the time I was like, dude, like I, Rohan, I think, is the only person that had a job set up for the most part, I think. He's got his um, shit together. Yeah, and I was like, I, I don't know how you people do that. I, I, like, I would not have came to Boston if it wasn't for the job. Like, I wasn't just going to pick up and move. Um, I mean, you had at least family out here yeah. when you moved here, so you at least had that opportunity. For I them. did, I did. I mean, I, I moved to a city where I knew one guy, and I met two other people. Damn. That's it. Like uh, two other people prior to moving here that I knew, and that was oh, it. yeah. Um, that's like incredibly too scary for me to do that. Like, I couldn't go somewhere and expect to just find a job and then be able to survive and live. Um, and yeah. think things are going to work out that way. Like my mind is, I move here without a job. I won't get a job. I'll be homeless, and then I have to hitchhike back to Baltimore with my tail between my legs. Yeah. And that'll be tough for you to hitchhike. Yes, because <laughs> I, I I look like the guy that you don't pick up hitchhiking. That's right. <laughs> But, um, Which is any guy in modern society. Other than the bowling pin job, then what uh, and comedy? What are you doing else, daytime wise? Just job the bowling with? job and comedy right now. In the winter, does I does that work... pay enough to? to yeah, it does pretty good. Um, well, I, I guess you get more than the uh, the girls that stand around you to take pictures and stuff. We can never let them know that ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're you're doing the heavy lifting you got of that the right. foam costume. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. That's what I do. I, in the winter, for the past few years, I've worked for the Fam Gourmet. Uh, I worked, like, in their office selling gift cards. And oh, then yeah. In the, over this winter, I worked, like, at the South Shore Mall. I was selling gift cards, like, like gift card kiosk was for the winter. Gary Peterson thing? Yeah, yeah, Gary Peterson comic. Gary Peterson featured in the Great American Comedy Festival. He worked for them, and he kind of hooked <laughs> me up. you just said his, his credits and titles when you Absolutely, yeah. I, he, <laughs> That's uh, why you're a good host. You're able to recall those things <laughs> at a moment's notice. Well, I've, I've, if, if he happened to listen to this and he found out I didn't uh, give his credits, he would kick the <laughs> shit out of me later, so I have to make sure I do that. He's a tough guy. He's a tough guy. Absolutely. Everybody knows that. Uh, um, so yeah, because I remember he, every Christmas he posts about, "Hey, if anybody's looking for extra." Work. Oh yeah, yeah, I did that. It was good. It was really good. It was easy. It was fun. Got to hang out in the mall all day, which I hadn't done for a long time. So it was cool. Selling gift cards at the mall. Yeah, um, and that's uh, I am a big fan of just buying gift cards for people's Christmas. Oh yeah, uh, and if I can just walk to a one one spot, get everything, and get out and be done in five minutes, I am a fan of that. There's so many stores when I go Christmas shopping, I I just bypass everything, walk right into the register, grab a gift card, go put this much money on it. Here's the money, goodbye, and walk out. Oh, see, you're like selling it right now. You're you great for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's super convenient and easy. Um, now, <laughs> one of the things that I uh, find interesting is the, the people who do this. They a lot of them, their coworkers don't know that they also do comedy. Oh yeah, they yeah. That side, like, is that like with the the people that work at the bowling who stand outside Fenway with you? Do they know you're a comic? Uh, Have they yes. seen you do stand up? 
Yeah, uh, they know. I don't think anyone's seen me do stand-up. Maybe one of them has once. I don't, like, uh, tell... I try not to tell people, though. Sometimes you kind of, like, have to. Uh, but if it's possible, I prefer it a lot. I mean, not to let people know, because it's just, like, a lot of questions. And it's, like, asking, like, oh, if when you find out someone's, like, an amateur, like, I don't know, whittler with, like, a tiny bit of success, like, oh, you want to know all these questions. It's like, that doesn't really matter at this point. I think comedy is a lot more interesting and, and filled with questions than whittling. Uh, well, I mean, you don't know the scene <laughs> like I do. No, I know. I'm not, I, I don't travel the, the whittling uh, championship circuits. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, so, so I try not to tell people, but, I mean, yeah, they find out eventually. Uh, is Do you just not tell them because you don't want them to... To ask you a bunch of questions, or is just yeah, like, pretty do you much. Think you would be weirded out if they showed up at a show? No, nah, I wouldn't be weirded out. I just, you know, it's easier just not to answer the questions. That's what I find. Yeah, I mean, people do ask a lot of questions. Like, I know I get a lot of questions when I tell people I work in radio. Yeah, um, and it's it, it's very interesting to watch people. Uh, as soon as I say radio, I watch their eyes up, and they're like, "Oh, really?" Yeah. And it's the next question, the next sentence is either followed by a, a slew of questions or. Well, I don't listen to radio. Then why did you get excited? <laughs> Even the people who are like, yeah, I don't listen to radio anymore. It's dead. I listen to my cell phone in the car. I don't listen to radio. Radio is a dying format. Still have a thousand questions about the radio industry. And uh, I want to know, like, so, uh. Do if you they know, can get a free you know t-shirt. Maddie? Yeah, a free t-shirt. Uh, it's like, so, uh, you know, Maddie in the morning or whatever there ha- happens to be their favorite radio station. Do you um, usually know uh, I've never met Maddie. I work oh. in the same. I work for the same company as him. Oh, okay. I just had to pick the like most popular Boston thing in my head. Oh. Um, I did work alongside him and in the same building, but not anymore. Uh, I never met him. I met some of the other people around the show, but actually, Emily and I were just talking about his show. Uh, Emily Roskowski. Oh, okay. And I were just talking about the show last night and stuff, and then we were also talking about some of the shows I worked for in D.C. because she also lived in D.C. for a while. Oh yeah, that's true. So yeah, it's interesting that. Um, you know, I get a lot of questions about radio, and I get a lot of questions about stand-up. I can understand uh, how you would just want to avoid all the questioning that comes along <laughs> with it. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'd rather talk about um, what they're like. You know, talk about them. What are they like? Do you do you have any of your coworkers also wanted to do stand-up? Do you get that? Like when they find out and some of the questions oh, yeah. that do people ask you about? How do I get oh, yeah, into that? Yeah. I, there was one guy one time when I was working at Best Buy. There was one guy. Who like said he wanted to do it, and he would ask me about it all the time, and I, I kept telling him like that it's real easy, like it's like easy as hell to like do it. You just got to go and do it, and he just kept asking. I mean, it was kind of strange. He really he said he wanted to do it, but he never did. So that happened one time. Um, but I think most people, if they like really like want to do it, it's like you know like a really short Google search away, you know. Yeah, I mean that's the, the we are at the beginning of another comedy boom, I think, um, and a lot of other people agree with me or have also said that now because stand-up has become so accessible to the mass public that a lot more people are getting into it because they're seeing it more often. They're it's being in their face. Um, I mean, how many? Po- <laughs> I I know I'm. I feel like the, yeah. what's, what held me up from doing this. Um, podcasts for so long is I literally did not want to be just another comedian with a podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, the majority of the podcast community is run by comedians, which um, good for them. They should be doing it. Um, they are, you know, comedians are should be multi uh, multi talented and doing other things. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, um, so you have so many comedians with podcasts. Most of the majority of that, like 
all the popular podcasts, like all of them are pretty much either a comedian hosted or NPR. Like those are the two top majority of the top podcasts out there. Yeah, we should. They should really like next year on Serial. They should do a story about a comedian that might have murdered someone. And that'll be like the ultimate. Like Mark Maron's like making these calls from jail, and he's like, I don't know, like. I didn't do it. <laughs> I don't know why they keep thinking I did it. I keep telling them I wasn't. <laughs> Boomer lives. <laughs> Is Boomer still okay? Uh, uh, I'd, could you just, just put Monkey on the phone? Just put Monkey on the phone for me. Hi, Monkey. It's Mark. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah you're I right about that. he refers that. to his cats as himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Mark Mary doesn't seem like the guy that would be like, I'm a cat daddy. <laughs> Yeah, that would be the ultimate of just blending the two of everything. Yeah, cereal. Uh, I never listened to it. Did you? Yeah, yeah. It was it was alright. I liked it. Yeah, I, I think there was just too much hype about it that made me. Oh yeah. You know, like well, it, that's why I started listening. I was like, everyone's what is this? Everyone's talking about. It. I gotta hear it. I'm I'm all on board the hype train. Choo choo. Fair enough. Um, I have a I have to like mind myself when something gets too much hype. I have to make sure that I'm not hating it just because it's popular oh yeah that's real annoying it is very annoying and i know that and i have to keep that my, i have to be very mindful of that myself so, um when you were working at best buy yes uh you had one did did your co-workers other than that one guy know um you know uh, actually they did because um there was uh there was a best buy talent show that we did and i did <laughs> yeah yeah best buy talent show that we did, and uh, I oh, actually performed. Awful. I performed stand up on the Best Buy talent show in front of all of my coworkers. It was, uh, it was, it wasn't that bad. Uh, there was actually one other guy who did stand up on it, like who was like who had like never done it, was like dog shit awful, which really helped me. I mean, I didn't do like super great, uh, but I didn't do that bad either. It was pretty interesting, you know. It was like a it was a big talent show for like all the stores. Like in the Boston area, and people. Oh, did so it wasn't even just your story. No, was, no, it was, it was the like, entire Best Buy Boston network. Yeah, it was like the district, and like oh my God. there was like people who did like you know music, and they did like uh, like dancing and stuff like that. It was pretty good, you know. I mean, you're living in like a major city. There's people trying to like make it in the arts, so it worked out well because there's a bunch of people there who like uh, like I used to work with a guy who I think is like a I don't he was doing pretty well in the rap game. His name was Spitz Nelson, and. Uh, <laughs> I think he's doing pretty good, I heard. <laughs> oh, man, Spitz Nelson, he puts his rhymes in headlocks. Yeah. <laughs> he puts them in full Nelsons. That's what I was going for. That would have been the better one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. Uh, but uh, so the Best Buy talent show. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, they yeah, they knew I did it. Um, they knew I did stand up. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I, I guess that whole thing, like, I don't like to tell anybody, like, I fucking did it in front of like, the entire district. So, uh, but I got some free pizza out of it, so it was good. I'm pretty sure, did, was the free pizza only for the performers? No, it was for I mean, everybody. You could have yeah, yeah. <laughs> just shown up to watch your coworkers fail miserably I guess. in front of an audience and I, still got the free pizza. I guess, I, yeah, that's a good point. I could have done that. Was like, John Paul, you're really funny. You uh, get an extra slice. I took. I Cheese took, only. I took like four pizzas home with me because they had, <laughs> they got so many suckers. Um. So uh, you're you're doing the bowling pin thing. You did the Best Buy thing. Um. We're we're still at the beginning of baseball season, so you have plenty of time. Oh yeah. Um. To do things. Um. Yeah. The bowling alley thing doesn't really 
interfere with your your comedy that much, to be honest with you, right? No. Well, I mean, yeah, we don't, we do it before the Red Sox home games, and they're usually either in the day or in the evening. So so far, uh, I've never really had an issue with it, like interfering with anything. You can usually still get out to mics or gigs and stuff like that. So that works out really well. When I worked at Best Buy, I had like a lot of issues with that where i couldn't do stuff because i was working and that was that made me kind of depressed so that was one of the reasons i really wanted to get out of there were you uh weren't you working you work in early mornings for the for a long time if i remember correctly i would work early mornings on sundays and then uh because we would do something called ad set where we had to like change all the price tags for ads um which i kind of i wouldn't mind that so much and then, um, there's no customers to have to deal with. You're just yeah, that was good. Labels off and putting new labels on. Yeah, it was cool. I could like listen to like my phone and everything. So I did. I really liked that. Well, thank you. Yep. I really liked that. Uh, but I also I was like part of the warehouse team and like the store I worked at. It was like fun, but like just not run well. And so there were a lot of times where I was there till like one in the morning, unloading trucks and stuff. And I was like, this is just not worth the money they're paying me. Yeah. Um. Well, you. Did you start out doing the ad set and working in receiving? No. At Best Buy? The first thing I did when I started working at Best Buy was I was assigned to work uh, in DVDs, which is like completely ridiculous. Like, there's nothing to do. Like, you just walk around. It literally, just I did nothing like all day. Yeah, your your job's pretty much when somebody walks up and goes, "I'm looking for this movie." It's to tell them we don't have it. <laughs> that was like my job. I was going to say it's over here, but no, yeah, no, we for had the most part. No, yeah, anybody who comes to the Best Buy are rarely ever looking for a movie that's popular. They're looking yeah. for something that, that that hasn't been around. Just go home and Amazon it. Like just buy yeah, it that would be the. You're the, looking for for an obscure movie from 1983. We don't have it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, most of my job was to tell people we didn't have stuff, and it was that was my first job. And then I started working with the video games. And then I went moved up into computer sales, which I really hated. I hate sales. I'm like so bad at it. <laughs> I'm like actively dissuading people from buying shit when I'm working there. <laughs> Like, I'm like, yeah, God, why? I just hated the hassle of it. So when I started working with the warehouse, it was like the hours were like longer, but at least like I just had to like lift stuff now and not like try to convince people that they should like dump all their money into this thousand dollar computer so they can go on Facebook, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you do you feel like you know a lot about computers? Was that? Uh, I know more than, like, you know, the average person, I'd say. I mean, I'm pretty Before comfortable. taking that, that position? Yeah, yeah. I, I know more than, like, the average person, I'd say. I'm pretty good with, like, my computer. Um, so, yeah, I know more than the average person, but I'm not, like, you know, a super expert or anything. Okay. Um, so, with the, uh, the Best Buy, were your hours set regularly when you're working there? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, that was the thing I really hated about when I was working in the warehouse when it got busy was that we would work, uh, when we would unload our trucks, we'd get twice a week, we would work, like, from, like, 2 or 4 in the afternoon to, like, whenever we were done. So that could be, like, 9 p.m. or, like, 8 p.m., like, if we had a great day. Uh, but if we weren't having a great day, which is more often, it was, like, 11, 11.30, 12, midnight, 1 in the morning sometimes, and it was just really, I just hated, like, 
not knowing when I was going to leave. That really just bugged me. Yeah, especially if you want to be doing, like, especially getting into comedy or getting to any art that is all done during night. Yeah, You're yeah. working during the night, so that can be annoying where you're like, I want to go out to yeah. comedy. I yeah, can't. Yeah. I'm stuck here. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just frustrating. So, And I realized, like, I'm just, I'm unloading all these trucks, and I'm here for, like, you know, sometimes, like, 12 or 13 hours, and I'm like, they're just not paying me a lot of money to do this. And so I, I left. But, you know, I might go back. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the uh, let's talk about the, the time with the uh, bowling alley. Um, oh, the Lucky yeah. Strike. Because you're doing uh, the, the games. Usually there's a day game on the weekend. You just came from a game, right? Yes. Um, so during the daytime, that's fine. Because you can still go out tonight, go do sure, know, whatever. Sure, I could do a mic, tonight. do whatever I want. Um, but also, you know, night games start around, what, 7 o'clock? Yeah, seven ten. Seven ten. The game starts. So at se- what? When do you finish handing out things and dancing around like a bowling pin? Uh, we we the pretty much like by the time the game's getting going, like the streets pretty much clear off because everyone's at the game. So we're on the street till like seven fifteen or seven twenty, and then we go inside, and like that's pretty much it. Like it's the shifts over usually if it's a night game at seven thirty p.m. So it's like you know it's pretty easy. Oh yeah, seven thirty is not too too bad of a time. Like you can get anywhere from seven thirty. No, I uh, yeah. So it's good. It's really good. Oh, that's good that that timing works out for you. Yeah, it's a cool job. Um, is there at the end of the baseball season, which will be like September October? Um, do you do you have any idea what your next biz, uh, job venture is going to be? Business venture? Um, no, I do want to get another job soon. Um, I I walked by a place that was looking for bussers recently, so I was like, maybe I'll do that. I can work in a restaurant, but I mean. Um, that's all. Also, again, going back to working nights, though. Yeah, that's true. So we'll see. I don't know. I'll, I'll look for another job uh, soon. Uh, I got to get something else going, and then you know, if um, if nothing really, if I you know, hopefully I have something else by then, and then I'll probably if uh, if the Phantom Gourmet is doing their gift card again, I can work for them in the winter again. And that's usually when I work for them, it's usually like pretty much full time, but it's only for like a few months. Uh, it's full time, but during the day in the office. Yeah, yeah, or at the mall. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some nights, but a lot of the time it's like when I worked there, when I was working the mall, like they just needed somebody who was like there like during the day. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's certain jobs, like in restaurants, it's incredibly hard to find people who are willing to work lunch shifts. Oh, yeah. Um, Because I was doing comedy and working at a restaurant and working in radio all at the same time and Best Buy and all that. Actually, the reason I started doing comedy is I got fired from a restaurant. Oh. Um, What restaurant fired you? Uh, here's the thing. It was a restaurant inside of a Marriott hotel. The it was it was such a cushy gig. I was getting paid actual minimum wage, or actually over minimum wage, like eight fifty an hour. I think it was cool on top of my tips. The GM of the hotel was a very close friend of mine. Um, the food and beverage manager was a very good longtime friend of mine. Nice. And they both had to fire me uh, they, uh, because. Uh, what had happened was I got into an argument with the kitchen staff for fucking up a meal, uh, and a guest heard me dropping f bombs, and he complained, and they're like, "Listen, you have you have anger issues. We've talked about this many times, and um, uh, this is this is the end. This is the last straw." You know what like, I uh, I you know what I heard about that? I used to work at Chuck E. Cheese. I remember something similar happened to someone else, <laughs> and uh, like they someone a customer like complained about what they said. And uh, the guy, the manager, brought the kid in his office, and he goes, "Listen, did you say this? Be honest with me." And the guy goes, "Like, yeah, I did." And he's like, "Okay, well, I have to fire you." 
And then I was talking to him later. He's like, he should have just denied it because then I wouldn't have had to fire him. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's when I picked up this little bitty. He'd just be like, nope, they're making that up. And then I'm like, well, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Well, it was. It was a long thing. Like, I literally had shouting matches with my bosses about certain issues and things that were going on. Did you win the matches? Um, Ultimately, it sounds like no. No. Well, there's plenty of times where he was like, Dennis, you can't talk to me this way. I have to, I should fire you. It's like, then fire me. This is work. We're friends. It's not going to cross over. You should fire me for the way I'm yelling at you. Um, But when they fired me, they didn't even have the heart to say, like, they were so, they were heartbroken over it. Uh, like they, I was like, all right, fine. So what do I do? F- sign a write-up form? Like, what do we do? Am I suspect? Uh, uh, where do we go from from here? And they kind of just throw both their heads drop down. I was like, oh, I get this. It's a firing. All right, do you need me to fill out a form or anything? They're like, no. You just have to go. I was like, all right, fine. Have a great day. I'll see you guys at 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 the bar that we all hang out at tomorrow. Oh wow! Yeah. Did you, and, did you see them? Oh yeah. No, I'm still friends with. Uh, um, one of them I talk to regularly now that I'm in Boston. The other one I, I haven't talked to him in a while. So yeah, no, we are still good friends. Like it was awkward for them for a little while, uh-huh. but I had to kind of just cut. It's like guys, we're still friends. I'm okay with it. You, f- I agree with firing me. You should have. It's okay. We could put these things aside and still be friends. So uh-huh. well, I would have been like that. Uh, well, I mean, I was friends with them before. I'm also an understanding guy. I just have a problem. I end up taking too many jobs too seriously. Um, which is my flaw in life. Sometimes I wish I could just show up to a job and not care about it. Oh yeah, just, I got that down. <laughs> just go. To, hey, you know, I go in and I leave when I'm supposed to, and I don't. I don't think about the job afterwards. I can't. Uh, oh I, no. I, no. Oh, I wish. I literally <laughs> wish I was that guy. I just show punch it's in. Pretty punch great. Out. <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> even the, I don't even care about my radio job, and I spend most of my time thinking about it when I'm not there. So let's talk about another thing you're doing, still comedy related, is the New York Pass, which I absolutely love. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, no, I love it. It's a great idea. Just explain it, a little bit what it is. Oh, it's a it's a parody Twitter account. Those are uh, those are really really popular a few years ago, but I'm like jumping on now. Uh, but the difference between your parody account and other parody accounts, because I have a problem personally with parody accounts. Okay, is all your materials original? Okay, all those other parody accounts are just stealing jokes. Passing them off as their own. Oh, and then, maybe I should think about that. If they're successful, I could get, I could get into that. Yeah, if you want to. <laughs> um, no, you, the New York Past is a. Uh, it's uh, it's at the New York Past. If you're interested in checking it out, and you have access to Twitter, uh, most people probably. If you're listening to this, you probably you probably got it. Unless you're you're at one of the uh, you're unless you're at a public broadcast of this somewhere. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, at the New York Past. What it is, it's a. Uh, it's kind of like the New York Post a little bit, hint, hint. Uh, but they're they're careening through time and they're reporting on uh, they're reporting on events in the New York Post's callous style, but like throughout about historical events. It's kind of like the whole idea. And you know, you put out I put out an edition every pretty much every day, and it's you know they're funny jokes. <laughs> where did, what, what was the idea where you came up with that? Because uh, that's incredibly original oh, thought. Yeah. Just like, what if a newspaper was going back in time and making snarky remarks about history? Yeah, yeah. Um, I always just thought, like, when I would read, like, those, like, New York Post headlines, they were, like, really funny. Like, they would deal with, like, these really serious, like, horrible things, but they would, like, make, like, a funny pun about it. Um, like, I remember I saw one that I thought was really funny, was there was a story a few years ago about, like... um a uh an, a an airline pilot who like had like a nervous breakdown like before like um 
the uh, flight took off and like there was this big brouhaha and he had to be taken off the plane and like get mental health treatments and uh the uh the new york post headline for it was uh this is your captain freaking which i thought was really funny i was like that's really hilarious and so i was like (laughs) yeah yeah i was like see that they took like a serious situation they just like made fun of it brutally so I was like, "Oh, that's really funny." I was like, "I should be, I should do stuff like that." And I was like, "Well, I can't just like make up New York Post headlines that are fake." But I was like, and then I was like, "Well, I could if I, you know, put like a weird spin on." So that's what I came up with. So just taking old historical events and then putting a, a yeah. snarky co- uh, headline about it. I mean, it's very Onion esque. Yeah, the Onion even back when it was print. Yeah, had just headlines with no. Like, some things were stories, yeah, yeah. but they also had just headlines. Oh, I didn't that, know that. Like, titles and stuff that had no story to them. It was just, the joke was in the headline. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's uh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when they got in trouble for that one award show a couple years ago? Yeah, yeah. When they called the, like, the eight-year-old girl a cunt? Yes, I do remember God. that. Like, I understand the joke they were going for. Yeah. But that it just... just didn't hit. <laughs> yeah, no, it didn't. So you started it, just you saw it. You started doing it. You yeah, just put yeah, that, yeah. the headline together. Uh-huh. Do you take actual old New York Post uh, covers and then just change the lettering around? Or No, no. Um, if you actually look, because we live in Boston, I think it's it's easier for people to miss it. But, like, it doesn't really look that much like the New York, like the New York Post. Like, if you actually look at the covers, because, like, I don't, like, spend a ton of time making sure it, like, mimics it exactly. But it's, like, enough that, like, people are like, oh, that's what that's supposed to be. Um, but no, I just like, most of the work was like at the beginning when I was trying to like make up like sort of like the baseline, uh, like what the baseline template for it would all be. But like, once I had that down, you know, I pretty much just slap an image on, put some text on it. It's really easy. Yeah. No, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Do you have a .com for that or is it just the Twitter and uh, Facebook? It is just the Twitter, the Facebook. I have a WordPress site, um, but I have to make sh- uh i have to like update it with like the newest stuff that's been coming it has all the old stuff on there but i haven't um put all like a lot of the the newer ones that have come out in the last like two months on it have you i don't know is tumblr still a thing where it's yeah. still would you switch over and add a, a tumblr to it i mean i guess if it worked better i might but you know i mean the twitter still works fine because if you just go to the twitter yeah. thing you can see all the images but try i'm still sort of trying to figure out the best way to like put these stuff out like into the ether you know still experimenting with different ways if you have a if you're listening to this and you have a great way to do it shoot the new york past a, a twitter message and maybe i'll look into it uh because i see them on facebook and then i usually go over to the twitter yes thank you from yeah the, thank you very much thing. yeah um, or i'll grab the link and i'll post it on the uh the reddit not all of them but uh, oh. you know, every once in a while especially one that i was like <laughs> that's absolutely hilarious oh yeah, thanks, the one that buddy. makes me physically laugh out loud i make sure i share it. <laughs> thank you um you obviously did it from home from your computer yes um do you have any thoughts or concern about, like, if you're taking a job, how you're going to continue to keep posting? Uh, yeah, that's most, that's, ever since I first did it, that's been my most, my main concern. Like, I'm going to, like, not be able, I'm going to, like, run out of these pretty soon. And I'm always, like, just barely keeping ahead of, like, where I need to be pretty much. Uh, when I first started, I had, like, a huge amount, like, already done. So I was like, this is going to be easy. And eventually those ran out. And I was like, oh, I got to keep making more of these now. Uh, <laughs> it's either give up or make more. Yeah, and I, I did stop posting for, like, um, 40 days where I didn't post because I was like, I'm out. Now I'm fucked. <laughs> 
But then uh, I kind of just was like, ah, I get back on this, and it's been fine. What I'm doing, what I'm trying to do now is like do all my stuff on Sundays, and then you've helped me out with this, uh, is trying to get everything so I don't have to do any work during the week, like so they'll post automatically and stuff like that. So I've been using like Hootsuite and TweetDeck and a couple other things to try and get all of them done on Sundays. And I have a new aspect of it that I'm going to try to be doing pretty soon that'll be more of like i'll have one thing for like the morning and one thing for like the evening which is not going to be the same headlines that i've been doing but it'll be a little bit different to do so yeah to do like a a pass in the morning and maybe do a more current event one in the day no the one the thing i'm thinking about adding to it is um posting what i think are funny screen grabs of the actual New York Post Twitter feed because there's a bunch of funny they're all they're funny on their own it's just so I might do that now that I'm saying it out loud it kind of sounds stupid so no, we'll see it, what happens it doesn't sound stupid so you're just going <laughs> to screen grab what New York Post says and then punch uh, do a punchline off their, their... May, yeah 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 kind of is it going to be mostly towards how I mean yeah, I don't know how how thought out this pro- process is for you. Obviously, but. not very. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it going to be basically like jokes about how snarky they are in real life? You know what? I think so. I I had this idea like a couple nights ago, and I haven't been back to my computer since then. Um, but I have like a lot of the stuff I pulled down. I know I've got like stuff that in mind. And you know, it's just to put out just so there's more stuff on the Twitter account than just one post every day. Maybe two a day will finally give me the money I deserve. Do you reply back to people? Do you get comments and replies? Uh, yeah. Whenever someone, you know, uh, has a, if I always take the opportunity if someone has anything to like say, say something back in character as an intern working at an offices of a major New York City <laughs> newspaper careening through time. Do you find it difficult for you to schedule time to sit down and do them yourself? Like, are you pretty good about working at home? Uh, no, I'm awful about it, uh, which is my main problem. It's just so much easier to like watch YouTube videos, you know, it's way, way easier. So, and I'm like trying to work, I'm working, um, I'm trying to start working with a guy I work with actually. He has like a blog that he does and I want to start writing content for it. I have a couple of ideas, but I'm hoping that hopefully soon I'll be able to take like one day a week and get all the, all the stuff I want to put out on my, you know, New York pass stuff out, get that, get all that done. Plus, you know, at least like one or two blog write-ups a week, and that I would be good. That would be good for me. But right now, I should probably think about doing something like like that, like getting out of the house. You know, anywhere where I can't jack off would probably be perfect. <laughs> you know, you can always go to a coffee shop to you know do that stuff. Yeah. Um, again, I I find myself even when no, I'm I doing- like the library. The library is real good for that. I think uh, the Boston Public Library—they're doing yeah, like they a lo- really hate it when you jack off. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? They actually have security guards who walk around and make sure that you stay on task <laughs> and don't jack off. Um, yeah, they renovate. They're renovating it, uh, and uh, the. It's pretty good. It's looking pretty good so far. But yeah, it's cool. Um, Which library are they? This is the cop, the like the main, the main branch in Copley Square in Boston. Um, They're renovating it right now, and like they have part of it done. It's pretty nice. Um, You know, you figure like in a major city like Boston, but there's not, there's never really that many people there. It's always, I always think it's like there's surprisingly a lot of space. Hmm. So that's a good place. Uh, Maybe I'll do that. Start going there. Yeah, I mean, I find it an. I've heard it from a lot. I mean, some people are vo- very motivated to work at home. I'm, um, yeah. Um, 
I, I'm not that way at all. It doesn't work for me. I uh, applaud the people who can do that, who can wake up at home and then, especially writers and stuff, they can sit down and write. Um, is there an end goal with this, just to continue doing it, or it's just yeah, no, there's no like, is there a f- in the in the future I would like once it makes me a million dollars I'll quit. <laughs> uh, oh no, I actually have thought about that. I'm like, you know, I could take all these and print them out, and like, you know, if I ever like get to a level where I could have merch, I could like sell this as like a book or something like that. Uh, so I have thought about that. Um, but, you know, that's so far in the future. So right now, uh, my end goal with it is just to make seven more for this coming week. Once that's good, then I'll be like, all right, I can start thinking about the future. Yeah, the short, the short goals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't Wes Hazard do a zine? Yeah, yeah, Wes Hazard does do a zine. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, have you... Like if you think about doing a print, would that be? Like, have you seen it? I haven't seen a zine. I just I have seen it. it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is that? Would you be akin to working with him? I'm not offering oh, his yeah. service or anything, but that's somebody <laughs> who's doing something. Oh yeah, yeah along yeah. the similar nature of what you're thinking. I couldn't really see unless I was like in a big place with a lot of people. I couldn't imagine like many people would buy it. Like. Uh, like here's like a print version of this thing that's online completely free like <laughs> but 20 bucks and it's yours so i mean i could see someone buying it but i feel like it would be a low ratio for anybody who's like young so actually you know what i even thought about this instead of doing a print version why don't you take those things print them out and frame them i uh, think they will work much better as just little like oh, on the yeah. wall jokes oh yeah like framing yeah. it and just putting it on the wall as a picture <laughs> that might be better than than the book you're, you know what you're probably right about that uh so i should definitely think about that um i mean you know pair up with somebody who can do quick cheap easy good framing work like you know like it oh, um, yeah, yeah. um deep uh shadow you know what? Box. that's actually a pretty good pretty good idea uh i, I could do that and i probably i'll look into that because i could def that would be way easier and i could uh i could see i could see someone buying that before they'd buy like a joke book for themselves you know if they had like oh put this up on the wall it's like a conversation piece yeah although i gotta up my resolution that i'm making them at now so i have one that could be good to print you know um yeah um this is now again just idea wise of thinking of things this is something i did um i used to wear (laughs) i used to manage bands and book and promote bands and stuff yeah baltimore and there was like a month or two months to, uh, um, time where we didn't have any shows booked. So instead of just having that as downtime, I don't know if this is the most brilliant idea I ever had or the dumbest. I rented a table at a flea market. Yeah. Brought, uh, I was working with two bands at the time. Mm-hmm. Brought CDs, CD players, headphones. Yeah. And some merch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But got a table at the flea market and just sat there on the weekends. Yeah, selling their CDs. Really? I, had them, I scheduled them. I was like, all right, so and so and so and so, you will be here from ten to one. So and so and so and so, you'll be here from noon to four. Yeah, or whatever that the, the, the uh, So were. you could get people to like be like, listen to this music, and then like, and we sold so many CDs that way. Really? Just kids walking out, and then we'd hand out stickers and buttons. Oh and yeah, that's have good. Them there, we had a couple chairs sitting in the front just for people to come. Yeah, you know, that, that's and how. That's like the. That's like the almost like the strategy of like the. Uh, of the underground hip hop artists where they just like walk around with like a CD player and they're like, listen to this, buy this. Yeah. yeah. But instead of, you know, a co- uh, you know, accosting people on the street, you chose a flea market. Yes. <laughs> where it's just, we're chilling and, yeah. you know, with punk rock music. So the kid walks by with a Blink 182 shirt. I was like, hey, man, you like Blink? Yeah, another great band. Yeah. And I'll talk to him. Hey, you know, I actually work with a band or hey, he, this guy's in a band that you, since you're a Blink fan, maybe you'll like him. Why don't you listen to a song or two? Yeah. And yeah. Just let them listen and then, oh. you know, 
It's like, even if they didn't buy anything, it's like, hey, man, here's a free sticker. Here's a handful of buttons. Cool. You know, go, yeah. Um, so that may be a good place to, in the, as well. It would be good. Just get a little table, have all your old framed things. Like, hey, you know, I'm a comedian. This is a comedy thing I do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know where there's flea markets. Is there not any flea markets here in I don't know. There probably are. I just don't frequent them that often, so I'd have to start looking at that. But, yeah. Yeah, no, I haven't been in a flea market in a very long time. Um, Ken's obviously the guy who knows everything about flea market. Ken, Ken Reed, Reed, host yeah. of the TV Guidance Counselor podcast. Yes. The, uh, yeah, listen to his podcast, too, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, his fa- his podcast is fantastic. Sure uh, is. They should listen to it. But, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I've, I'm just spitballing ideas on, on where to take the next step for you. If you have any any desire to do that, like... I mean, it's something that you're doing on your These own. These ideas you're saying are now in the ether, all right? So I'm not paying you for any of them. <laughs> Fair enough. They're out there. No, my, my advice is always free. Okay. Um, I don't know who or why anyone listened to me, but feel free to. I think I'm, I'm, well, there's a couple ideas that I might take. We'll see. It's always interesting. I find, anybody, I find it interesting anytime somebody starts doing something on their own. Because a lot of people are just like, hey, I had an idea and I just started doing it. Oh yeah, yeah. It builds into something, or sometimes it just fizzles out because they don't. Yeah, care. yeah. That's a uh, like. Uh, there's a lot. If you're in comedy, you meet a lot of people who are like, "I have this awesome idea," and they're like, "Tell you about it," but then like they'll never do anything about it. You know, they'll just say, like, "I got an idea," and they're like, "I'm an idea man. <laughs> Wouldn't this be cool?" And like, "Yes, that would be cool." When I first started thinking about the New York Pass thing, I was like, "Oh, this would be cool," and I had the urge to be like, "Do you think this would be a cool idea?" But I knew if I like told people about it, I would just like I would just get the positive affirmation that it was a good idea, and that would be I'd be like that's enough. <laughs> like uh, they like the idea, so I told I made I specifically like told almost nobody about it before it like before I put it out um, because I mean just in comedy there's so many I, you meet so many people who have heard just like just big idea people who just never do anything with their ideas. Yeah, I didn't want I hate that, so I didn't want to do that. No, and I find that uh, a problem myself with people that they are. I, somebody will tell me, something, "Dude, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Let's do it right now." Or I, I will offer my services to help anybody yeah. with as much as they can because I have a, a wealth of knowledge on how to do a lot of things. And you know, I've had a ton of creative friends who just jump right into doing things. And yeah. so I have some experience with with things. And I'm I'm a fan of being a motivator uh-huh. for people. I like to to motivate other people if they have a good idea. I'm the first to go, great idea. Let, let's do it. Yeah. This is how we do it. Let's make a business plan, right? Let's make a plan on, not business. Let's make a plan on uh, goals and objectives and what we want to accomplish and how we can start to, and things that we need for that. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's very, I think it does get uh, intimidating to other people. They're like, all right, whoa. Yeah. Like, this is a thought. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hate to see anything, any potential wasted. In people, yeah, um, and I find that very hard to try and find to motivate other people to do things. Like, um, I'm the exact opposite in you. Whereas, like, if I want to do something, I'm not going to tell anybody so I can motivate myself to do. It. If I have an idea for something, I have to tell everyone uh-huh. to hold myself accountable for it. Okay, this is one of them. When, when yeah. I started coming up with this idea, um, I made sure I started telling everybody as much as possible about it because one, I wanted to talk to the people who I would like to have on the show. Sure, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and also couple of my like jesse's been great about bugging me about doing this oh yeah yeah, um, yeah. getting excited on this because i literally came up with the idea for this niche yeah, uh, yeah of talking to people about their jobs uh at the uh comedy studio christmas party 
Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember I was that. that was fun. Yeah, I was talking to one of the comedians uh, about his day job because I asked him something that he tweeted about it. I was like, God, this is so fascinating, uh, your yeah. job. <laughs> and I was like, why don't I do a podcast talking about people's jobs? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's also, we've got, you know, eh, we won't talk about me. Uh, but it's it's interesting that your motivation comes from not telling people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whereas I have to do the making myself feel guilty and shamed <laughs> of not doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say um, it's like the it's like not getting feedback from people before it comes out. So that in order to get any kind of like feedback or reaction, it has to like happen so that people can like see it rather than just being like you know pitching them an idea and them going like, "Oh, that's good," or I don't know. But that way, at least if I don't get any feedback at all, I have to like make something so that I can get something back from it. You know. What do you spend when you're not at a comedy show and you're not doing uh, the games in the bowling pin? Yes. Uh, what are you filling your daytimes with? Um, let's see. Uh, thinking about how I should be writing more. Um, <laughs> and I was uh, hoping to hear you say I write a lot. Oh no, because you you're pretty quick with with material. Yeah, I'm okay. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm definitely not like I should be. I'll say that. Uh, you know, I've seen. People who are just way better at it than I am. So I mean, I'm not like the worst, but I'm not like you know. You know, it's the same thing. I don't, I don't push myself the way I should. Obviously, I, in my opinion. Well, you run a weekly open mic here. Yes. Do you feel some pressure to be able to churn out material quicker because of not that? at all? Not, no, you don't no, think so. No, I don't. I mean, uh, from I mean, I've been running open mics for a few years, so I mean, I feel almost no responsibility for how the show goes at all. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if you're running an open mic, the show is 99% like featuring, I mean, I, I do a little time up front and I really try to not do time between people because we have a limited amount of time to get yeah. through everybody. Well, you guys have a very popular open mic. And, yeah, it's that pretty too. popular. Yeah. So, I mean, the show is like so little me that like it's, I'm, I'm involved in it in almost a tangential way where I'm like saying one or two words between people. So, you know. It succeed. It sinks or what's the what what's it when it goes good? Swims, floats, floats swims. Yeah, whatever. Sink or swim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the merit of all the different comics who are going up. So, yeah, I don't really feel pressure to do anything like that. I mean, I want it to be fun and good, and I try to give it a lighthearted tone. But when you know when it's a four hour mic and you're on stage for seven minutes of it, you know, there's only so much you can do. Well, you do five minutes up top to, yeah. as a warm up. Yeah. Do you feel any pressure at all to make your five minutes at the top of the show as oh. fresh as you possibly could? I mean, in the sense that uh, I want there to be a good reaction and that I know if I'm doing stuff that people have heard like fucking 50 times, then it won't react well. So I guess a little bit, but hey, again, not not as much as you might think. <laughs> <laughs> well, also I notice um, because, uh, yeah, I think you, obviously, I think you're at it. Well, you and Rob, your co-host. Yes, Rob, Crean, Rob Crean is my co-host, very funny guy. Um, I feel like it's more you than it is Rob in general, like on stage and oh. showing well, up. Like I feel like you're there more nights than Rob is. Oh, that's way off. No, that's not right at all. No, I, no, I take nights off. I mean, I've been, I think more recently, I, suppose, I was just doing a Comic Runs at the Comedy Studio. So yeah, I was other like, than that. Yeah, but even before that, I, there have been t- many nights where I've like, taking the night off or something like that so um 
Yeah, I still think Rob's there more often than me. I okay. think that I that people might have an impression because I tend to open. I tend to be going up very, very, very first, like cold open. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, in general, uh, I sometimes have to leave a little bit early to catch uh, the last bus. And yeah, and uh, I just know. I remember, especially last summer, there was a few. There have been times where I've taken a week off here and there, and like Rob usually doesn't do that. Uh, let's talk about that because that's. I don't. I don't want to, you know, let out a secret or anything. But oh. I know that's an income for you and Rob, right? Uh, oh yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, um, that's been a, a, a small topic of discussion, discussion coming around is running open mics and, and you know being paid and whatnot. For oh, it. okay. Um, I'm not going to ask how much you get paid for it, but good. Uh, how, <laughs> how long have you and Rob been doing the Middle East open mic together? Uh, we've been together. Um, That's another long-standing open mic. It is, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Middle East open mic was one of the first open mics that I did when I came to Boston. It was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Central Square at the Middle East Nightclub, which is uh, a famous uh, Boston music venue or Boston area music venue. Yeah, I uh, actually heard of it before I moved here because. The uh, Mighty Mighty Boston's used to do their hometown throwdowns at the Middle East. Oh, and they damn. did a live recording. They there. probably outgrew it, I assume. Oh at yeah, because they yeah. do it at House of Blues now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they would do a whole week at Middle East, and I had they did a live recording. I had the live CD until it got oh, stolen out of my car. Damn, um, by the Repo Man? No, long before it <laughs> repoed. Uh, no, just Baltimore City people threw a brick through my window and stole all my CDs. Oh bummer. Which the worst part was is the door was unlocked. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh man. I don't know if the door, if I left the door unlocked, because I'm very um, obsessive about locking doors. It would have been funny uh, if they... But it was, when the, they threw the brick through a window, the master uh, side window, and I opened the driver's side door, and it was unlocked. So I don't know if they unlocked it when they threw the brick through, or what, or if I left it unlocked, but I was quite upset about that. I like to think that the, the door was unlocked, they opened it, took all your C's, and just hucked a brick through the window, just to really <laughs> say, fuck you, on the uh, way off I the door. I feel do- like we should let this guy know immediately... <laughs> That we stole something from his car. Oh, here, let's throw a brick through the window. <laughs> and the worst part is, I was coming from a bar, hammered. Uh, I go to my car and I, looking through the window at the bricks, and I see him going, "What the hell is that?" Yeah. And a cop car pulls up. Uh, now he pulls up, just turns his lights on. Oh I'm man. Like, uh, oh no! What's going on? Hello, officer. He goes, "Did you know your car is broken into?" I was like. I do now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he went through it. Then back, went back in the, uh, afterwards, and was like mad and whatnot. Filled out the police report with him and whatnot. And then, did they just take the CDs? Yeah, they only took CDs. Oh, that's that's twice it's happened in my car. My car's been broken too, and, and car, CDs stolen. Damn. Um, yeah, which uh, honestly, I'd rather you steal the car and leave the CDs sitting in the parking space. Yeah, especially. I mean. They got no value now. Who even gets CDs now? I mean, this was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, I guess. But, um, yeah. Uh, so after I fell out the police report, the officer went back in the bar and got hammered. And oh, then drove yeah. home drunk. All right. Drunker than I expected to drive home. <laughs> oh, yeah. So anyway, the Middle East. Uh, so Rob and I, I started going there like, you know, like in late 2009. And I, I started helping Rob out with stuff there, I think, like in 2010. I think about like the end of 2010. So Rob was doing it by himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rob actually started that room as like a booked sketch comedy showcase night oh. uh, for Anderson Comedy. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a, a booked um, kind of like sketch comedy showcase with like, uh, with like sketches and like... Um, you know, uh, live sketches and like pre-recorded sketches and like stand up during the st- like the sketch show and stuff like that. Um, but basically, I think from what he tells me, what happened is like, you know, the sketch group uh, 
kind of, it didn't dissolve. I mean, it just people stopped putting in as the work that he was doing it as as much work as he was doing. And uh, no, and um, he, uh, thank you. And uh, so it kind of they started doing open mics because, like, you know, then you don't have to really do anything. You just got to show up and comics to show up and then what eventually happened was the open mic kind of it just sort of gradually became just an open mic and when i first started going there they're only doing the open mic like every other week and then it sort of eventually as it grew it just started becoming eventually it took a while for it actually just became weekly and so i was helping rob out with time and i was helping out with more and more stuff and eventually i just sort of uh ended up doing this thing where we i we kind of share the workload a little more no that's nice that 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 he Recognized in you, something you know. Something I guess, you can help yeah. Out. Yes, recognize you as a person who can help him. I def, yeah, definitely. Uh, somehow that was responsible. Boy, that was a bad judge of character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rob's part. But um, so uh, that's interesting. I never. That is the first time I ever heard anything about. I just assumed oh, it yeah. started out as an open mic. No, I mean, well, this was like you know before. I don't know. I think that might have been like a few years even before I even got here. So it's been going on for a long time. Wow. Um, so, you've been doing it with him since '09. Yeah, something like, around then. Yeah. Um, now, as let's talk about the the, the process of creating an open mic. Okay, um, sure. Because it's it's an interesting factor. Because I don't think about the aspect of being paid as a host to do it. Uh huh. Um, which it was never my my thought that I'm I can be that a venue would pay me to host an open mic. Sure. Um. It, I, I, it's not a foreign concept, but I didn't think because my mind, I'm there to try to drive business in there so they make money. Yes, um, I don't care about doing uh, being paid for it. I'm just doing it for the sake of doing comedy in my mind. Uh huh. Whereas, yeah, people was like, no, you're providing entertainment, you're providing them money and business. You should be being paid for your services of that. Um, I agree with that. If I was hosting a comedy show, but I'd never thought about that for an open mic. Uh huh. Um, I, were you sim- like when you started doing comedy and started helping him out with that? Would, did you have any pre uh, preconceived notions of being paid as a host for it? No. Were your thoughts similar to mine? Uh, yeah. I mean, they were kind of similar. To mine. I mean, I they were kind of similar to that. Um, I mean, you definitely. I would say, yeah. The ideas. I mean, the open mic comedy model is all based around getting people in there to buy drinks um whether it be the comics or friends of the comics um the idea that you're providing entertainment is a kind of a dubious claim with open mics because i mean the can vary so wildly to the skill level of the entertainer involved i mean we've had i mean i've had open mics where i've had people that have been on like network television and then you have people who have never done it before and are really bad at it and then you know people who just say crazy wild offensive stuff i mean you can i think the that's why i think it's uh it's like it's like a it's a model of like let's get people to buy drinks and then hopefully the bar will put up with you know the riffraff associated with like open miking <laughs> like um because, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I remember thinking that when I was, like, starting out. I was like, well, we're providing, like, entertainment, but I've just seen so many people be driven away by open mics. Uh, and that cause... can happen, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. And, I mean, it's not even sometimes, like, related to um, the quality of it. Some people just don't want to drink 
they just want to drink in peace, you know. Yeah. And they're not they're not looking for uh, you know uh, a bunch of amateur entertainers to start like going into their acts, you know. Well, it's also uh, running a comedy open mic is different than a music open mic because. For the comedy open mic, the audience has to be engaged and paying attention. Yeah, yeah, that's true. With a music open mic, when somebody's playing a song, we're all programmed to when a song stops, to start clapping. Yeah. Like, we can have our conversation while the song's going, not care one damn bit about what what he's playing, what uh, original tune he wrote in the lab, a.k.a. his mom's basement. Yeah. And then, but as soon as the silence goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, and that 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 validation works for a musician. Uh-huh. For comedians, the only validation that we get is from laughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you get. Nobody's ever been on an open mic and they're just sitting there talking and then turn around like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so is it like when you guys plan your lineups? Because uh, you guys do a random lineup. You uh, take everyone's names and you kind of kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's not the way I would prefer. It. I'll say that. Why? How, how would you prefer to do it? Uh, if it was me, uh, if it was just my, it's kind of Rob's thing, but I would just prefer like show up and go up. Like, okay. Order as arrived. Is there a method to the ordering, or is it completely random? If I, I mean, I mean, I don't want to want you to have to disclose any secrets, but um, <laughs> I think it is important when you're when you're scheduling it to schedule it, um, especially with the open mics as tough as open mics can be. You know, you guys know people well enough to where you can like, all right. Um, I know it's an open mic and so-and-so is going to be Peter Martin. Let's use him as an example. Peter Martin's probably going to be trying new stuff that may be experimental and it may, may fail, but he's solid enough as a comedian himself that we could put him here. All right. Well, we also got a brand new guy who I've never been before. Let's put him oh, here. Yeah, yeah. Let's put Peter behind him to, 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 uh, as say to back cleanup. Do you guys plan it that way or no? Uh, Rob kind of does more than I do. I, if I'm making the order, I really try to like. Go as close to order as arrived possible because, again, I want everyone to have a good time. Obviously, well, it's be, uh, part of the reason I asked that is because you know there there's the the stereotypical trope to open mics where it's like it's nothing but comedians and they're the only people in the place. Yes, your mic's not that way. I mean, it has a, a large amount of comedians, but it's a very popular place anyway. That's um, true. People do come there for the comedy occasionally, but and some sometimes just there's just riffraff hanging yeah. about. I mean, there's people who just oh, let's go in here have a beer. Oh, they're doing a thing. Let's pay attention. You guys have a pretty decent yeah, uh, we do okay audience there in general, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is one of the reasons I like going there is uh, I do go there um, for the social atmosphere between other comedians, uh, but I also know that it's a, a good enough room to where if I'm trying something and I get a laugh, it works. Uh-huh. If it doesn't get a laugh, I don't write it off because it is a tough room. It sure but is. It's a tough room, but with a pretty decent audience. When the audience there is hot, it's hot. It can be fun, yeah, yeah. You know, there's like no middle ground. It's hot or cold, and that's it. Sure. Um, what I have found with the room, and I don't know if this works for you or if you've ever had anybody else notice this. A couple months ago, I just came to this realization that's helped me a lot with the Middle East. Is like I don't, I don't leave the Middle East one and go hang myself um, from my ceiling fan with a, with a belt anymore. <laughs> when I realized that, is I have to look for people laughing more uh. than I'm listening for laughter. Oh yeah, well you can got... see a lot more people laughing than you could hear sometimes. Well, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. The way that the room we do the show in is set up is like almost the worst setup you could ask for for a comedy show because it's uh it's the room is really long it's not wide it's very long and it has super duper tall ceilings with uh, a door right by the stage and to the stage also there's a huge picture window behind it there's uh, sometimes one or two really loud music acts playing in adjacent rooms it's like 
everything is going against it. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it can be. I mean, if it's if all those things are happening at once, it can be pretty tricky sometimes. But I mean, most of the time, it's fine. So uh, yeah, when I was talking about the ordering, I would say most of the time I don't. I don't. I kind of put people a little bit in a, in different spots, but again, I just don't worry too much about like um, like oh, this person will bring them up and then this person might lose them all that stuff. Just because I mean, it's not like it's a free show. Uh, anyone who's there, no one paid anything to see it. Um, and I, you know, I mean, we just keep it light and fun, and everyone will have a good time no matter what. You know, the lineup is part of the problem with certain open mics. Uh-huh. Um, and I was actually just speaking to two other people recently about a different open mic in town where a year ago, year and a half ago, it was an awesome room. Yeah. Everyone was supportive. There was some trickle in from the streets. Some of those people cared. Some of those people didn't care. Um, but it quickly turned into a room where nobody's laughing. No one's paying attention. It's just the entire That was night a good through. cricket. Now. Thank nice. you. Thank you. No, that was from my mouth. Uh, yeah. Not not a uh, morning morning zoo crew soundboard. <laughs> um, where you know I watched <laughs> my own Michael. <laughs> I'm killing up here. <laughs> but uh, I, where I watched the funniest guys in the in the community go up there to nothing. Uh. Um, and part of the reason is because it it's become very popular with new people. Um, so you have people who are not. You know, you have like a string of five guys who have never done comedy before, and they're not going to get any laughs because of their material. No offense to them. Uh-huh. That's that just happens when you're new that you're not going to get laughs. Yeah, and we've turned off any potential audience when you have that four or five guys that are up there just like, ah, so women they suck, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, you know what? Hey, ladies, why don't you uh, stop complaining and just suck my cock? Like those guys, uh-huh. you have four or five of those guys in a row, you just completely lose room. You keep doing that and over and over. The comedians who are seasoned are, uh, uh, and who can get laughs stop coming because they're like, the room's just dead. I'm tired of being against uh, with these people who don't know what they're doing. I'm tired of talking into a void. Okay. And that just makes things go downhill a little bit more. I see what um, you're saying. In my opinion. Yeah, I was yeah. just talking to to a comedian about it. He was like, yeah, I used to go. To, I can't do it anymore. I was like, well, that's part of the problem. You are a good comedian. You will be get, be able to get people to laugh even with working with new material. If the good seasoned people start coming back to this mic, we could turn that room around again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's... If that's a concern of yours with with the lineup year, but unfortunately, when you're doing a random lineup, that's going to happen. When you're doing show and go, you're going to have four or five guys who are new come in a row, and there's nothing you can do about it. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. Personally, you can disagree if you want to adjust a lineup to better serve the audience. Oh yeah. Eh, I mean, I just that's like the way I prefer it. Like for me, when I. Is just like show up, go up, and then if it's you know if you have like if it's if there if you have five people and they're really bringing stuff down and it's causing like an issue, then you know if I was hosting, I would just do a little time, maybe make a few on the fly adjustments. You know, yeah, I mean it sounds uh it sounds tricky. I'm glad I don't have to deal with it. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, let's talk about Grandma's Basement, even though it's defunct. Uh, you were pretty heavily involved. With with it, from what I understand, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I was very heavily involved with it. I uh, um, I kind of became the de facto open mic host. Grandma's basement was a comedy venue inside of a uh, hotel uh, called the Howard Johnsons, uh, right next to Fenway Park, like next door to Fenway Park. Uh, I was kind of a 
skeevy hotel, uh, kind of a skeevy road hotel in the middle of the Fenway area of Boston. And inside that uh, hotel was a Chinese restaurant. Inside that sort of to the side of that Chinese restaurant was a tiki lounge. And we used to, uh, there's a great comic uh, named Benny Bosch. He was a bar manager there and he started doing an open mic there. Uh, in 2008, late 2008, I believe, October 2008, I think he started it. So um, just as you moved here, yeah, it was like it was. I think it was like a year before I moved here. Um, so he started doing open mic there. I think you know four people or three people showed up the first night. Um, but you know the open mic was on Thursday nights, and it kind of like grew and grew and grew because I mean, part of the reason was it was like very loosey goosey. Um, and uh, Benny, the guy, the comic, very funny comic who started it, he was like the bar manager there. So, I mean, it was like real hands-off atmosphere. And anyway, he could pretty much do whatever he wanted. It was a very cool place. And the open mic kind of grew and grew and grew to the point where um, Benny could not uh, really host the show and, you know, be in the bar manager <laughs> at the same time. So I kind of started taking over doing the open mic hosting. Uh, so I would host the open mic. The open mic would typically go from like 8 p.m. to like midnight, 1, 1 a.m. It would be super long open mic. Um, and then they started doing like some weekend shows there on Friday and Saturday. Those were some those are some fun times. So, yeah, it was a cool place. Uh, unfortunately, though, in uh, last year, it yeah, last year, in two thousand end of 2014. No, was it 13 or 14? 13. It was 13. Yeah. Oh, geez. The end of 2014 was six months ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the end of 2013, uh, uh, some other place bought the hotel. So they just, yeah, well, they actually didn't demolish it. They, like, just, they refurbished it pretty much. So it's still there. It's just really different now. And now it's owned by a different company. And so that, now we, that, the place that, the bar room we used to do, and I think that actually has been demolished. But the hotel's still there. Okay. Uh, yeah, because it's the vibe. The verb. The verb. It's like a music themed hotel. Before the theme was just like a uh, hotel that should not <laughs> exist. Mur- the theme yeah. before was uh, uh, murder and hookers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a skeezy place like that. But yeah, it was a really cool thing. Um, it was just a show and go open mic. And, you know, sometimes the list was very, very, very long. Yeah, that's part of the reason I stopped going because uh, I only went two, maybe three times. Yeah. Um, it was just. Inconvenient to get to, uh, for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, taking yeah. the tea, coming from Medford, living in Malden, Everett. You take the fifty. Oh, you were here at the time, or somewhere else? I was in uh, Everett and Malden. Oh, okay. uh, I work in Medford, uh, so I would leave work, go there, oh, and yeah. then head him back to Malden, Everett. Yeah, um, well, there's always been other like Thursday open mics, but once yeah. that went out, that it just opened the floodgates for anyone to try to. I mean, there's a. I mean, it was the open mic was very, very, very like popular. I mean. It was like a cool place to go and just hang out after the show or after any shows you might have had because, you know, you knew, knew Grandma's Basement was going to go till like, 1 in the morning and people would be hanging out usually until the end. So it was a lot of fun. So it was another scenario where you were, something you were frequenting, somebody else was running, and they asked you, like, hey, can you help out with this? Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Okay. Um, have you uh, – because you did that, you do Middle East. Have you ran any open mic yourself, like – Oh, on your own? Oh. No, I just co-opt them all, basically. <laughs> I just sneak my way in there and, uh, and destroy them from the inside. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think here. Um, like, have you ever had the, the desire to start your own by yourself somewhere? 
Because I have zero interest in hosting shows or open mics myself. Oh. uh, Because I did the music stuff for so long, and I know how much work goes into it, and I just don't have that in me. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if I was going to start an open mic, I definitely would try to make it as little work for me as possible. So uh, I had thought about it. I mean, I just would want it... um, I just would looking for... If I was going to do one, I would want just uh, somewhere where they would like not have expectations and pretty much leave me alone about drink sales and all that stuff because I don't really want to like push stuff on people so yeah. I think the most I mean just anywhere that's not expecting anything I could I could see myself starting something um, but yeah I mean I, it would be cool I would like to start something you know um, but you know I already run one so yeah <laughs> and I used to when I was when I was hosting both um, the Middle East and Grandma's Basement I was hosting like eight to nine hours of open mic comedy a week so it would be it was a lot <laughs> yeah uh well uh, yeah. eight to nine hours a week is well that's two that's two yeah, yeah two. two that's but still that's still a lot yeah it was a and, lot and, and when you think about it, it's a lot it's a long day I plus mean, I, I was doing other open mics i was still going out a lot anyways yeah. i mean when i moved to boston i was doing five to eight open mics a week um, yeah and i personally don't care much for the for the process of doubling or tripling up in a night oh yeah yeah i don't um, like that either i, don't I just th- don't like to run around um uh, i don't mind the running around if i have to do it but i avoid it just because uh by the way are you good on time or do you yeah. have to be anywhere okay um i don't like it because i don't know how beneficial it truly is to the greater good of comedy um they do say that hey get up on stage as much as possible keep doing them keep doing them when you're doing two or three in a night and i will do two or three in a night if i can um i just don't I don't push for it. Like I'm not, there's guys who are like, Oh, as soon as I'm done here, I'm going somewhere else to do an open mic. I have to do that. I was like, you don't have to, I think it's better served to be that audience member in the greater cause. Cause a, you're watching people. Yeah. Right? You're learning what other people are doing. You're, you're being influenced by that. A lot of some of my hero comes listening to somebody talk about a subject. And then I think about my initial reaction is like, Oh, that reminds me of something that happened to me or my thoughts on something. Yeah. And I can write a, you know, material off of that and whether good's good or bad is yeah. usually it leans towards the bad side but it gives me that, <laughs> I hear like, you yeah it gives me that that opportunity to be able to learn what other people are doing and be able oh, to yeah, yeah, build yeah. material for myself I think that's beneficial to people um, in general I know the thing in New York is as many mics as possible as many shows as possible and you can excuse me you can do that in New York because you can there's so many Places doing comedy, and it's so easy to get to work here. There's not that very many places that are close together. Yeah, I mean, definitely fewer than there have been. But you never, you know, places start and stop all the time. So yeah, there's fewer than there have been. So there's definitely not as many, right? Do you? I mean, do you? Do you think just sitting as an audience member helps the great? Because at least there's still people there. There's still oh oh yeah. I mean, like, do you think sometimes comedians should sit down and uh, instead of like I'm done myself, we run out and go over to the other place? (laughs) Do you think they should they would benefit from that? Uh, You could say no. It's no no. Well, I'm not going to. But no, Uh, I would. I'm not someone who's like oh you gotta like stay for the whole show or anything like that. Um, I do think it's. I mean, if you're going up at the mic, it's it's it would behoove you to watch some people. Um, and I do get a little, uh, irked sometimes when I can tell people are like actively like trying not to watch anybody. 
Um, but I mean, I try to like, you know, re- I would try to keep it in perspective. This is all open mics. There's really, it's not the biggest deal no matter what. So, I mean, I would say it's bet. I think it's, and I just personally never really got into running around to different mics just cause, uh, it just would like stress me out, like thinking about the logistics of like, I'm done here. Now I got to get here by this time. And like, I don't like to put people out and ask people for favors too, which I would, I feel like I would have to do a lot more like, Hey, can you put me up? Cause I got to go over here and all that stuff. So I just found I was more comfortable settling in somewhere and doing a set and hanging out, having a few drinks and stuff. I, but I mean, some other people just are a little different. So I don't really like, you know, hold it against anybody if they're, they got to move along somewhere else. But you know, I think it's good to watch, you know, if you did some time, if everybody, watches the two or three people then yeah we should be okay you know yeah um because i also like uh very rarely i try to stay uh, you know i get up at four in the morning for work so i stay much later than i probably should at open oh, gee, that's so early yeah <laughs> um well my first alarm goes up at three thirty. Oh, that's God. the shut up alarm nice um but i uh so but i still try to stay as late as i can and if i leave early i always make sure i say goodbye especially your guys oh, thanks mic. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, thank you guys for the time. Um, my with Middle East, my mindset is eleven thirty. Yeah. Um, well, that was when I was living in Everett. I think my bus schedule is slightly different because I've been I've also been thrown off by the bus schedule now. Oh yeah. Um, coming here, but uh, my mo- thought was eleven thirty is my cutoff. If I get on stage before eleven thirty, great. I'll stay till eleven thirty and watch the show. Oh yeah. Uh, and if you're listening to this and you're like doing open mics and stuff, and you're like, ah, I can't stand waiting. Like if it's really bothering you, just like. Just like, uh, let me know, and I'll do whatever. I, I always try to help out anybody no, as much as I can. And you and Rob have been um, incredibly helpful and kind to me with the, you know, hey, I got to get up at 4 in the morning. If you can fit me on before 30, that'd be great. Oh, yeah. It's not, no worries. Like, yeah. I've, I've left plenty of times where I'm like, I'm not going to get on on a reasonable time. I'm going to go home now. Yeah. Um, and I've never been mad about it uh, there um, oh, I don't know. because of it. Because uh, I have a weird schedule, and I'm okay. And you guys have been super accommodating with me. Um, there's plenty of times where I've gotten in, like, early because of whatever reasons and i appreciate it you know it works out um but i think um lost the train of thought (laughs) in there somewhere but no i mean it's i think people should pay a little bit more attention to the shows that's going on around them than moving uh constantly getting up and going from place to place to place yeah uh, personally, I don't know if you, you know, it's okay that you slightly disagree with that. I know you don't, you know, you said that you don't have the, 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 the want to get around. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I just don't. And it's just, uh, yeah, it just stresses me out too much to run around, but you know, if, uh, if it doesn't for you and you, and you want to do a bunch of sets, that's good. Go yeah. for it. You know? Um, so let's, uh, the future, future plans, which throughout the discussion, you're not much of a future planner. You've admitted it yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, but what is your determinable end goal, uh, particularly with comedy? I mean, nobody ever is ever happy and reaches the goals they want in this. They end up reaching something similar or reaching a, oh, to a yeah. height that they're comfortable uh, with. Like, as a stand-up, you're doing the, 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 the New York Pass thing. That's you, right. You said you just wanted uh, that you're talking to a friend about writing content for a website. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you... Actively thinking about in the future, looking more towards a writing, comedy writing, or do you uh, further be continue to keep doing stand up? Have you thought about no. it? No, I, yeah, I I think um, 
I mean, this is more that like, what's your wishes? Let's listen to that portion of the oh. thing. But I think it's important to understand where somebody is coming from because you sure. have to balance what your life is going to be and what you're going to do in your life with what you plan on doing with this, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I think it'd be great to uh, get paid to perform uh, stand-up. I really like doing that. So I would say that would be uh, my end goal. I would say all the other stuff that I'm doing is to feed into that like anything that i'm doing um with like you know blog writing or new york pass or anything is mostly just to put eyes on me because to let people know like hey this guy does stand-up comedy as well so i would say yeah my goal would be to like uh be able to pay uh my rent with stand-up comedy okay are you looking because new england's a different uh region than the rest of the country where you could legitimately just tour new england Within like you don't have to go more than what two three hours out of the out of the Boston area. Oh yeah, and make a substantial living off doing comedy. Yeah, I gotta get a car for that though. Yeah, so. that, does, that is important. So yeah, if I had a car, maybe I could really think about that. But until then, uh, it's gonna be I uh, to get on TV. That's the thing. I guess I'll be on TV, and then uh, you know. I don't know. Just I'll just keep doing. I kind of got into this with an aimless sort of uh, meandering uh, uh, style, and it's kind of it's worked out all right. So I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> just keep eh, just chugging along and, and yeah. things come. Because um, I feel like um, talking with the New England, I always thought the the a touring comedian is somebody who has to tour the country, yeah, to make a, a, a living of it. And I've been living here, and I've started realizing like no. You can just tour New England and still make a living. Um, do you care either which way with that? Like, would you prefer to be doing colleges and clubs, or do you like, hey, if I can stay in New England, I can stay in New England? Um, I mean, if I, if someone was like, you have the option, I would definitely. I feel like I would want to like see more uh, than just New England. So I'd want to like go further t- to different places across the country. Some people definitely. seem to be just happy with just doing New England. I don't know. I bet I definitely could see that. Um, I would say if someone were like, hey, do you want to do this room? Uh, you can do this series of rooms, you know, throughout New England or this series of rooms, you know, uh, throughout, you know, uh, the Midwest and uh, the Pacific North. So I would probably, I would just want to check out, you know, more far-flung places I've never been to, you know? Well, all right. And Boston's been a great city for comedy. Uh, it still is uh, for the most part. I mean, you know, things here could be better, uh, but it's still pretty good. Sure. But we've also, you know, we all uh, we all know the the hubs for comedy, New York, LA, Chicago. Uh-huh. Um have you thought about at any particular time moving to I mean, you have family in LA. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you could you could easily move back to LA. Sure. Live with your family and start, you know, continue to do comedy out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um is that a, a, a planned goal at any time in your life, or have you not thought about that? Uh, I have thought about like um, making a move. I would probably, if I was going to move somewhere, I would probably. I've already lived like in the LA area, so I'd probably choose New York just because I've never like lived there. Okay. Um, and we just had a bunch of friends go to New York, and New York's oh, yeah. more of a stand-up town. Yeah. And yeah. again, public transit's awesome. Sure. Yeah, uh, that's another. So thing. It public be... transport's really good. Uh, I, w- I visited up there a few times uh, within the last few months, and I did a couple mics. It was real. I had a great time. It was super fun. So, I mean, if I if I did move, I would go there, and I would just pretty much do exactly what I'm doing now: get some whatever Joe job and uh, start doing mics and see what happens. Well, do you have? I mean, some people have that. It was like, oh, I'm going to be here for a couple years, and then I'm going to move to New York. Do you have a, a, a timeline plan for that? No, 
Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) No, just whenever, when the stars align, you know? Okay. Fair enough. Um, Now, yeah, I I actually want to personally move to L.A. um, Just because I feel like the entertainment... Because I consider myself more an entertainer than I do a strict comedian. You're like Cedric. Uh, <laughs> Dennis the Entertainer. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, no, because I, re- I am okay with doing other facets than just standing on stage. Sure. Um, so I feel like that would be better suited to my personal needs of entertaining people and making them laugh. And yeah, yeah. Um, so, but, you know, it's there. there's two different worlds there with New York and L.A. with the stand-up comedy scene. Um, you just recently went back to L.A., a couple uh, months ago, just to visit family, didn't you? I did. Yeah, yeah. I went there I like I Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went. To, I visited my my family uh, over Christmas. It was because I was working for the Phantom Gourmet, and then that like f- that just like ends right on Christmas Day. Like it's over. <laughs> Christmas it's, Eve, the job ends. Yeah, it was like the last day. The last day I worked was Christmas Eve, and then, a, we're not having a Christmas party as we are having a get the fuck out party. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, then I moved, visited my family. They don't, they live in Whittier, California now, which is like, they used to live like a half hour north of Los Angeles. Now they live like a half hour east of Los Angeles. Uh, they live like right outside of East LA. So now I live in Whittier and I visited them for like a week. It was really fun. I went to the movies. I just, I really did like nothing. I sat around. It was very relaxing after working at the Phantom Gourmet. It was really cool. I had a good time. I did not do any comedy related anything when I was when I was visiting there. The, I went there last summer um, with uh, comics Ted Penningill, Matt Cohen, and I did a couple mics when I was out there, and I had a great time. Uh, we did just a couple of coffee shop mics and stuff like that, and that was really fun. Went to the comedy store and hung out. It was really cool. Do you have any like personal connections with people who are out there other than Boston comedians who moved to L.A.? Like, do you know anybody who was doing stand-up before you moved to Boston who's still doing it that you talked to? Uh, no. I don't know. But I do know a ton of comics, you know, who have just moved to L.A. or Boston or New York. You know, I know, like, uh, God, probably like nine or ten. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I knew a few people in both those cities before oh, yeah. I moved up here. And nah. it was always that thought in my head. I was like, well, if I go to, if I move to that city, I have a friend. Yeah. That's um, good. I didn't really have many friends. I had like I said, nobody when I moved to Boston. So, um, oh, that took a lot of guts. Yeah, I did, but I had a job, and you know, did. Um, so uh, that's basically it. I mean, it's, cool. You know, you know, your 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 ambitions are are good. Yeah, uh, and I I like your your, your lackadaisical style. I was like, yeah, I'll keep doing it. If things happen, they happen. I can't do that way. I'm, I'm so <laughs> inside of my head all the time, like oh, worrying yeah. about the logistics of, of of everything. So sure. Well, yeah. Not me. <laughs> yeah. Um, real quick, because I know we talked recently that you ju- you're just starting up a website. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. That's How's right. How's that coming along? Uh, it's coming along. Okay. Oh, <laughs> it's uh, it's a little. I mean, I have one website for the New York Pass, which is the New York com. I have my. I have my site is the website for me is also WordPress site. It's not where I want it to be yet. But you can go there uh, at johnpaulrivera.com. And I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to start writing this weekly blog for this other person. Because I thought if I could do one a week, I can do some for my own website content as well. So uh, hopefully within the next you know little while, I can have uh, stuff for both uh, this other, this guy I work with's blog and my own. 
So, I, oh yeah, uh, to answer, uh, not super great. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, always starting up a website web page is always a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and it's. You're doing it yourself. Like, obviously, you're not having a web guy design your page or anything like that. No. It would be more useful for me to, to learn how to do it than to pay someone else to do it for me. Yeah. And so you pretty much already touched on it. You're basically starting up the site just to give yourself another outlet to create content on. That's – yes, yes. And there, so – and plus, you know, you should – if you're an entertainer, you should have a damn website. <laughs> no. I don't disagree. I have my own. Um, which, by the way, fucking Husey. Uh, James Husey, comedian James Husey. James Husey. Yes. Uh, What's he, up, Husey? <laughs> he gave me shit because he found out I had a website. He's like, why the hell do you have a website? What is on your website? I'm like, the blog I write oh, and yeah. my radio resume. That's why I started it. Was, uh, so yeah, well, if I was there, that. I would have shut him down. I probably would have slapped him across his dumb German face. <laughs> you should have told him that he's... Uh, you should have told him that he should have been convicted at Nuremberg. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, you're right. Uh, no, some people just have a uh, website as just a landing spot oh, for yeah. for contact uh, for to, to contact them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yours, you seem that you want to make yours a little more interact, not interactive, but oh, you want to put. More I want contact. there to be something for people. I want there to be something for people to like see or read or something when they go there. Yeah. You know who has a really good blog who doesn't really do it anymore is Stanhope. Doug Stanhope's blog was okay. like awesome on his website. Oh, it was you, like a really good reason to go read it. Have you seen his Yelp reviews? No. Oh, no, he has a public Yelp account. Oh, it's yeah. Doug Stanhope nice. or whatever it is. Uh, and he he does very long, very lengthy Yelp reviews of places and they're the hilarious, most hilarious things I've ever read. Oh, nice. They're not jokes. Yeah. They're not parodies. He's not trying to make things up. He just tells it like it is. Nice. Like, how, whether he likes a place where he doesn't, and it's just outright hilarious. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice that he can just still do that while just doing, oh, yeah, I came to this airport bar. This is one of my favorite airport bars <laughs> to get fucking shit-faced hammered at before getting on a aircraft that magically transports me <laughs> to another place at 100 miles an hour. Nice. Uh, I gotta check that out. That yes, sounds good. Find his Yelp reviews. They're I hilarious. Will. I definitely will. So, but, um, so, because you get a lot of daytimes free, motivating yourself at home. Oh, is yeah. that, do you think that's gonna aid you in being motivated at home, or do you think that's... Oh, uh, no, yeah. I mean, I'm just terrible at that, doing that stuff at home. So, obviously, I think I just gotta uh, get myself out of the house so I'm a little bit more motivated to work and not like just watch uh like inglorious bastards again <laughs> and then also uh just have an idea of like with well, the new york pass it's really easy i know i gotta like i have to make seven of these for the coming week and that's all i gotta do but then with like blog stuff I'm, i have a more it's like vaguer stuff that i have to like solidify in my head before i can get it down and i've never really tried to like do any kind of like long form like writing of any kind so that'll be fun when we see how that turns out if anybody wants to uh, find you, where can they do that? Oh, yeah. I know we mentioned a couple of Twitter tags. Let's, sure, uh, yeah. Let's sum them all up here. Absolutely. If you're interested in me, uh, I would check out my Twitter account is at John Pal Rivera, R-I-V-E-R-A. Uh, you can check out the New York Pass at at the New York Pass. And uh, you can go to my website at johnpaulrivera.com. R-I-V. 
R-I-V-E. It's a river with an A at the end. I never put that conclusion together. <laughs> yeah, I always keep wanting to spell it Riviera. Everybody wants and to spell and backwards. say it like that. <laughs> I was like, it's not Riviera, it's Rivera. Yeah, um, yeah. Was there another I at, in the end? Yep, Riviera? it's after the V. Yep, that's just river with an A at the end. River with an A. Yeah. Uh, all right, fantastic. Hey, thank you, man. No, thanks for coming out, man. I appreciate hey, it. I appreciate you having me.